Let me tell you a story, beholden to the hive mind, of the stripping down of powerful creatures, dark and harrowing shortcuts to eternal life. This is not just the tale of the dominion over others, but also of the trappings of minds and souls for the purposes of great unrest. Hey there, creatures, and welcome to Encounter This, a podcast exploration of the creatures from Dungeons and & Dragons and the lore that surrounds them. Hey there, creatures, and welcome to another episode of Encounter This. I am your co-host, James. Can I get a witness, kid? <laughs> and with me, as always, is my co-host, Freeman Eureka Eisten. Today, we're going to look at three different creatures, but I don't know if that's entirely true. We're going to look at the Alhoon on Volo's Guide to Monsters 172, Eulithrids in Volo's Guide to Monsters on 175, and the Elder Brain in Volo's no, Guide to Monsters 176. It's supposed to be Mind Witness. I screwed it up. <laughs> it's the Mind Witness. Uh, <laughs> I just forgot to replace it in the notes. Okay. And today we're going to dig into part four of the Elithids, an episode we are calling Existential Crises. We're going to be looking at the Alhoon on Vol's Guide to Monsters 172, Eulithrids on page 175, and the Mind Witness on page 176. Freeman is going to take us there. I will, I will do such a thing. And in fact, we're going to do it in reverse order of what you listed. Um, okay. I, because why not? Uh at first, I, I was I was wondering, oh, should I do it in CR order? And I was like, well, that's not necessarily you know true. Like, doesn't have to be in that order. So let's 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 do it how it feels fit. Uh, let's do it how it, it feels right. And um, uh, it turned out that it was CR order. So <laughs> we're going with mind witness first. All right. uh, and uh, so the mind witness is a uh, basically if a beholder. Uh, trademark, <laughs> um, which is a CR 13 creature, uh, should find itself stunned, captured, and safely uh, dragged or drug, if you will, to a Mind Flayer colony. It will find itself placed inside an Elder Brain's brine pool and undergoing the process of seramorphosis, which we've discussed previously. That's uh, incredible. Yeah. It's actually a beholder. <laughs> It is a beholder. So this is this is one of the uh, detailed uh, elithid creations uh, that we find in Volo's Guide. Um, uh, in the very first Mindflayer episode, we discussed a, a number of them. There was a kind of a long list of them, but this is one that is properly detailed. And uh, once it's in there and it goes through the process of seramorphosis, uh, there's usually uh, 10 eye stalks on a beholder. And four of those turn into tentacles, uh, which is a, a very illicit thing. And its eye rays are altered. Uh, and then the mouth actually might take on, is likely to take on a, a more lamprey-like feature. Um, Gross. And uh, you'll find in the, and uh, it's not, that, that aspect is not reflected in the 5E art, but is very much in the 3E art. 
Okay. I mean, it's good that it's not reflecting the 5e art. For those of you out there who have not seen a lamprey mouth, just don't. It is it is horrifying. It, they are, they're not pleasant. They're not pleasant at all. Uh, I'm going to quickly send you both pictures Perfect. on Discord. Um, and you can clearly tell which one uh, is lamprey and which one is not. Because the uh, one that's not doesn't even have a mouth. So... <laughs> Yeah, that's not that lamprey. It's actually not even very lamprey, is it? Yeah, actually, now, no. that, I, now that I look at it. And if um, I'm looking at this art, I think that mouth is actually underneath the body. So, like, between the four tentacles on the 5E is where it that likely mouth likely would be, yeah. Looks like. Yeah. So the mouth migrates downward. <laughs> right. Uh, which makes it no less unsettling. <laughs> nope, still horrifying as hell. It's still terrible. Uh, and so... Uh, regardless of of this like intense transformation, it does how uh, however it does however retain a close likeness to the previous beholder itself, and uh, it retains a natural buoyancy. So like whatever color the beholder was before, whatever like sort of various features beyond uh, four of the ten tentacles changing and the eye rays being altered, uh, it does uh, retain its its previous sort of image or description, if you will. Biology. Are beholders buoyant? Is that a th- thing in the yeah, lore that I mean, I've the, missed? Uh, just it's uh, it's not even really a lore thing. It's more of a, it's actually more of a mechanical thing. They have a fly speed and they can hover. That's it. What but does that have to do like, with buoyancy? Well, buoyancy I mean, is a displacement of water. <laughs> buoyancy means they, it can float. Well, they're floating in air, James. Oh. <laughs> that's okay. that's what they do. That's what they do. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I can't argue with that. I just did not realize that there was a definition of buoyancy that referred to floatability. Uh, I mean, I don't know the definition of buoyancy. I did not think to, I, I mean, regrettably, I did not think to look it up exactly. Uh, I'm sure buoyancy applies to air, not just liquids and fluids and water. Um, but regardless, that's how it's described. <laughs> okay, no, I'm... I, I mean, there's they have a plenty of things I don't know. Buoyancy. Uh, <laughs> maybe they're just full of gas. Hot air, even. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not Googling what buoyancy means. Yeah, um, there's no time for that. We have loads to cover, so let's move yeah, on. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, spoiler, are, it is not the correct enough. word. Damn it. <laughs> he Googled it. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, <laughs> I'm sure we'll come back to it later. Um, so basically, uh, when a beholder goes through this transformation, their intelligence actually does drop a bit. Uh, specifically, it goes from an ability score of 17 to 15. So not, not a lot, but it still does drop. And... This makes it specifically less liable to endanger a, an illithid colony. And then they are psionically imprinted with devotion to the elder brain and submissiveness to other illithids in the colony, including intellect devourers. So they're the low, they're low bean low. on the totem pole. They're, the low, they're one of the lower beans on that totem pole for sure. Crazy. Yeah, that, that's a mixed metaphor right there, being on a totem pole. <laughs> <laughs> I have been drinking. <laughs> so have I. Uh, it's a good, we're off to a good start, guys. Also, yeah. uh, I'm just going to throw this out here right now. I had a, an old tooth repair in my, in my front two teeth uh, fall away yesterday. So I'm struggling a little bit with my speech. So uh, combine that with some beers. We're screwed. Um, you, you okay, though? 
Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. There's yeah. no pain. Okay. It's just uh, just a, a, an expensive, unnecessary, shitty fix. But there it is. Um, so the uh, getting back to the mind witness, the primary purpose of their creation is to actually improve the telepathic communication within the elder brain's influence. So you might remember how the elder brain could only uh, have up to 10 creatures locked into communication with their psychic link ability. Well, yep. this allows, uh, we, we sort of, uh, we actually did uh, criticize that when we talked about the other brain. And I mean, it still might be a legitimate criticism, but it stands to reason that, you know, when it comes to the other brain, mind flayers, uh, they are very much involved in uh, their colony. It's all about the colony and how it works as an entity in the hive mind, right? So a mind witness is, a mind witness is very likely to be a genuine um, a backbone to this. And so basically, when they are telepathically connected to a mind witness... Uh, they a mind witness can allow that a communication through from the other brain uh, to spread up to another seven creatures, and uh, we will discuss this more in the mechanics because we will talk about the range and function of that. Okay, so keep that and in your back pocket. So that's the six tentacles that didn't. That's the six stocks that didn't turn into tentacles, and the eye on the body is those seven creatures. I'm guessing. Uh, that's a, wow, actually, that's, I, not even at all did I think of that. That makes, I guess, sense, ten, uh, seven tentacles, or sorry, ten tentacles and one eye, it's eleven, minus four, is seven. Yeah, shit. Uh, James Kidd, everyone, is a clever son of a bitch. So, <laughs> math magician. Math, he's a math magician. <laughs> it did not occur to me at all. But yeah, that, that makes a, a, a hell of a lot of sense. Um, what, a, what a strange thing to, to compile, but, um, but there it is. Um, I'm sure there was some, some of that in, in the creation of this creature. Well, you um, set up to seven creatures that it can see, and it can only see in seven directions at once. So right, yeah. Sense. Right, and it specifically does say that, that it can see. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty damn cool. Um, <laughs> Live revelations on Encounter <laughs> You heard it here first. <laughs> uh, uh, so now, of course, this allows for a more extension and rapid communication of commands within the uh, full sort of telepathic hub of the Elder Brain and its uh, underlings. Yeah, that's cool. It's like an aeroport or an Ansible. Whatever those two things are, I'm sure it's like those. <laughs> Aeroport is the uh, Mac thing that allows you to expand your Wi-Fi network, and an Ansible is the thing from um, uh, Ender's Game that allows them to communicate between planets. Ah, gotcha. So the first one is non-applicable because it, who cares about Mac? And the last <laughs> one is cool because uh, I haven't read Ender's Game, but I love the idea of it. <laughs> uh, apparently, Orson Scott Card is a monster. <laughs> but the books are really good. Um, so even when it comes to a mind witness, uh, when it is separated, uh, it, all, of course, has that risk of being separated from the colony. Uh, like any other creature. And when it does, it actually seeks out uh, to serve another creature, uh, especially it. telepathic creatures, because it, it, it has an innate nature, like it needs to be commanded. Um, and I, I feel like that's a little bit reflected in the reduction of intelligence 
where it, uh, it, uh, it for some reason it just it cannot function on its own anymore. It needs to be given commands and needs to be part of uh, a larger collective. Do you know if there's a reduction in wisdom as well? Off the top of my head, I don't know, okay. uh, but I'm sure in, I'm sure we could discover that quickly. Yeah, I'm just thinking because in past editions, um, instead of it being a uh, you know your five saves, you had your three saves, uh, reflex, fortitude, and um, will save, and I think will is connected to wisdom. So I'm wondering if that's if there's a reduction in wisdom as well, because that would that would reflect a um, deterioration in their willpower. All right, well, I did quickly find it, and our uh, Beholder has a 15 Wisdom, giving it a plus two. Okay. And the Mind Witness has the same. You know what? Fuck past editions, I guess. (laughs) One thing is for sure is that balance changes, uh, balance and and justifying balance changes uh, a lot of that lore, or what you would expect from the lore anyway. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, as a result of the mind witness needing to uh, find another uh, sort of creature to serve, again, uh, telepathic creatures, they tend to fall into one of two categories. Uh, one's a little more broad and one's, one's very specific. But flumps, are you familiar with flumps? You know, <laughs> so flumps. I, I, I love flumps. I, so when I bought the monster manual, yeah. uh, listeners, I bought the monster manual full three years before I got my first game <laughs> up and running. It was the first D&D book I ever bought was the 5e monster manual. Um, I was flipping through it and I saw a photo of a flump and I showed it to uh, my buddy Kevin who was sitting next to me and he just, just like, no, I'm now never going to play D&D. And I knew, <laughs> I knew at that moment that I needed, I needed to play this game because right, yeah. of the picture of a flump. Was that, is that Kevin Kevin Riches? That's Kevin Riches. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Still never played. And that's what I. Uh, fl- I mean, flumps. Uh, I don't. I honestly don't know much about them. I know they're. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're lawful good creatures. Uh, they're at least good. I don't know a thing about them. I just know they're also, fucking adorable. They, yeah, they also live under the uh, in the Underdark, uh, more or less, and um, they are tele. Pathic spaghetti monsters. They're flying spaghetti monsters, is what they are. Yeah, uh, <laughs> pretty much. It's like two eyes and a plate. Yeah, and they just have all these like weird little tentacles coming off of them, and they're they're properly adorable for like a really weird. Like if you look at a mind witness, and then you look at a flump, they're like they're basically the same, but one is horrifying and one is adorable. <laughs> it's the eye stocks, I think. Yeah. It's definitely the eye stocks. Uh, uh, so uh, flumps uh, find themselves occasionally in charge of mind witnesses because uh, they do have telepathic abilities. They are intelligent creatures. And, uh, and uh, these things sort of, like if they happen to wander off, uh, then a flump might, might find one uh, looking, uh, having one in the service. So Amazing. On the other Where's side. Where's your adventure uh, hook? Yeah, there's your adventure hook. <laughs> On the other side of things, uh, of course, demons, especially telepathic demons, will find themselves uh, the masters of mind witnesses that have been lost. Uh, and um, uh, that's, no one wins. No one wins in that scenario. No. Are a lot of demons telepathic? I haven't really dug into the demon. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, me neither. Uh, I didn't really dive into it here. 
It was no. a, a sort of a general reference, just like sort of covering uh, when a mind witness wanders off. But Yeah, um, I didn't expect you to dive into it. I just was wondering yeah. if you knew offhand. But uh, yeah, no, I assume there are, there are several. <laughs> Feel free to reach out to us in the Discord and let us know. if uh, What's your favorite telepathic demon, listeners? <laughs> Give us your number one telepathic demon. That's a, it's, it makes demon sound even more terrifying, doesn't it? When you put telepathic on the front. It does, but a lot of them don't have like real faces. Like um, like a quasit is just like a mosquito thing. It's got a, a proboscis. <laughs> right. It doesn't really have like a yeah. mouth. So I guess it adds yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Uh, I mean, the one thing uh, that is a bit terrifying about a mind witness sort of being influenced by something other than the other brain uh, is that uh, it will shift its world views according to it, whatever master sort of governs it. Oh, so, weird. Yeah. So it, it, it is it is that desperate. It is that n- needy for um, uh, commandment and that sort of thing and con- uh, an instruction. Uh, gotcha. That uh, if it serves a flump, it becomes a good creature, you know. But if it serves a demon or it serves uh, something else, it becomes evil. It might become chaotic, you know. But it, it retains its uh, uh, its abilities, its innate abilities, as a result of the seramorphosis. But it one hundred percent aligns with its master. I like that. That's really interesting. Yeah, I'm really digging the idea of like a unicorn controlled mind witness. <laughs> that'd be good i mean to be fair uh, from whatever call with the unicorns it's more likely that a that a uh the the kirin uh would be likely to control one as opposed to a, a, a unicorn because they're, they're a little more bestial a little more erratic right right that's true yeah. that's yeah. true uh but that, that's it for the mind witness um that's a lot yeah, it's it's all right. I, I only have a few bullet points really there, but uh, it's it's an interesting uh, topic, that's for sure. Um, and it's only going to get more complicated from here. So, okay. Um, I guess let's so, buckle down and get her done. So next, we're going to talk about the Ulithrid. We've talked about them briefly before, uh, particularly in the original Mind Flayer episode. In the Patreon exclusive uh, Mind Flare episode? No, 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 no. Because uh, that's, I mean, technically that's not a Mind Flare episode. It's, it's a sort of foundation for the Mind Flare episode, right? right. So in, in the Mind Flare episode, we talked about, again, with the uh, same with the Mind Witness, we've talked about various versions of Mind Flayers. Uh, some of them the result of seromorphosis. Uh, some of them just sort of connected, like a Mind Flare of Thune, that sort of thing. Some of them worshipping, uh, you know, sort of entities or philosophies of some kind. But the Ulithrid um, is uh, one we definitely talked about, and it is uh, a very rare occurrence in which a mind flare is birthed from the Elder Brain's brine pool, and it has a trademark six tentacle face as opposed to the usual four. And this is a sure ind- indication that a Ulithrid has been spawned. And. All mind flayers and elithids recognize that the survival of a ulithrid is prioritized above its own. Interesting. This, yeah, so this is a, uh, that's like one of the most immediate things that happens is that a ulithrid is prioritized above uh, a mind flayer or other elithids' own. And 
you couple this with the unique invulnerability of the elder brain's sway, like the sort of pseudo or the technical invulnerability of the elder brain's sway. And this is a clear sign of a potential threat to the elder brain's domination on colony. So when I first talked about this creature, it was like, it's immune to the elder brain's sway, which is relatively true. Uh, but also on top of that, other mind flares see it as something that needs to survive before them. Before a Eulithrid is born, the only thing they see as that is the Elder Brain. Right. So it stands okay. to reason that the Elder Brain is, would be threatened, right? And so a response from the Elder Brain can vary quite a bit. Uh, most commonly, the Eulithrid is actually given power and authority uh, as a sort of investment from the Elder Brain. Otherwise, an Elder Brain might see it as an, an immediate threat and will work very quickly and constantly to manipulate it and destroy its opportunities of uh, acquiring enough power to be an actual rival. That makes sense. Yeah. And regardless, the elder brain will find it exceedingly difficult to have the Eulithrid outright killed because of what I just said earlier. Uh, other mind flayers and Eulithids want it to survive. They see it as a priority. So yeah. there's this weird sort of power struggle going on that's out uh, of control of both powers. And assuming the prior occurs, or perhaps the latter are successful, the Elitharid will eventually find that me remaining in the colony is insufferable due to the Elder Braid's control. So it's just like, it, it's, it's pretty cool. It doesn't take long for the Elitharid to realize that this is not an ideal environment to be in. It's going to be constant conflict. And this causes the Eulithrid to round up a group of mind flayers to serve it and head off to found its own colony. So, the, okay, it only takes a small amount. It doesn't take long. It doesn't take long. Because it's right. the, the, the sort of, uh, it, it's status quo in a colony, right? Like everyone sort of understands they're all on the same level. The moment one of these things is born and is essentially able to, you know, exist independently and it very much exists independently, well, there you go. Like, it's automatically okay. going to cause problems in the colony, right? So it's and prioritized above all other mind flares and olithids, but technically still below the Elder Brain? Is that right? I mean, that, see, that's where the gray area is. Is it below okay. or is it on par with the Elder Brain? Regardless, that's not a good enough for the Elder Brain, and it's definitely not good enough for the uh, Eulithrid either. Yeah, And I get that. that's, that's where your conflict comes in. Uh, right. So they take off. And eventually, the uh, so the Eulithra takes off and with his, his little small coven of, of uh, mind flayers. And eventually, it will die. And its brain is placed in a new brine pool where it will form into a new elder brain with only a few days. We've, we've definitely discussed this uh, previously. Um, however... If the Eulithrid dies of natural causes, likely caused by old age, it cannot turn into an elder brain, as the brain is considered to be too aged, or is literally biologically too aged for the transformation to take place. That's a so really neat caveat. Yeah. So instead, the Eulithrid actually, it, they carry uh, a psionically enhanced staff known as an extractor staff, and it's made of this sort of black metal. How they get it? And how they create it, I don't know. But uh, when they are ready to give up their life, they attach the staff to the back of their own head where it cracks open their skull 
and allows the brain to be extracted. The brain and staff are then placed inside the corpse of the illithrid, which dissolves into a psionically potent icor that starts the creation of the brine pool. And uh, the transformation of the elder brain begins. Gross. So, yeah, it's a really... Pulls out dis- its own brain, stuffs it inside <laughs> its own chest cavity, and becomes its nursery for its Well, grow it doesn't stuff it inside its own chest. I, I assume that it's what, what few mind flayers it's managed to, like, sort of corral and bring right. uh, outside of the other brain. They're the ones responsible of, uh, of finishing the ritual, if you will. Um, so they, they do, but they do like, they're like, they have to be ready to give up their own life, ready to become an elder brain. The staff that, that, that they create, uh, allows their brain to be extracted. And then the rest is up to the servants. And then from there, the elder brain, a new elder brain is created in a, a brine pool. That would be such a fucking sweet encounter. <laughs> like midway through a campaign, you face off against a illithrid. And then yep. it pulls its own fucking brain out instead of dying. <laughs> oh, and then a whole man. bunch of mind flayers just usher it away. Yeah. <laughs> and then a few more come at you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. Ah, you're not wrong. There's your adventure hook right there. Fuck. There's your adventure <laughs> end right there, motherfuckers. That's, <laughs> that's so dope. And then you all dead. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Can you top this with the Alhoon? Tell me about the Alhoon. Oh my god, the Alhoon is really cool. Okay, <laughs> I, I know you and I briefly talked about. It. I, I thought you knew more about the Alhoon, uh, and you were like, "No, I don't know much." It was like we totally faced one. You were like, "You did?" <laughs> so yeah, you, right. <laughs> you, to- you clearly used the stat block, but uh, didn't use any of the lore, which is totally fine. It was a but one he- shot. I put it together. Yeah, in it was like a one shot. Minutes. Yeah, whatever. Does it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, but here is the lore, and they're pretty cool. Okay. I, I, I will. I will preface this with the fact that I'm I'm less enthused about the stat blocks in general in this episode. But uh, there is some. That should just be our T-shirt. Encounter yeah. this. Less enthused with the stat blocks. <laughs> less enthused. It's a good. It's a good slogan. It's right up there with. Here's your adventure hook. I guess. Uh, um, There's another one too that's on our Twitter. I can't remember what it is, but it came from the unicorn. Uh, it's, Superflicious or something like that? <laughs> that sounds like a word we'd make up. Yeah, that's, that sounds all right. All right, the Alhoon. We'll, we'll start with uh, what I'm, I've listed as the basics. Okay. So exiled mind flayers, we've talked about this briefly before again, uh, who pursue the arcane arts will not be granted the, quote, eternal communion the Elder Brain offers. Uh... Those are very religious words. Yes. This results in them searching for secrets of lichdom to escape death. Okay. Uh, The path to lichdom is described as long and solitary, but mind flayers who find and utilize a sort of shortcut become what is known as Nalhoon. Oh, dope. Yeah, that's your foundation. Uh, A shortcut. That's a shortcut. It's a shortcut to Willichdom, yeah. Uh, (laughs) So here's the background on it. Um, So we know that Elder Brains forbid Mind Flayers from learning magic outside of their own psionics. We've talked about Mind Flayer, Arcanist, yeah. Uh, Arcane magic, yeah, specifically. 
and uh, you know, and they, they become exiled or they are considered what what you would call deviants. Uh, this, of course, is not something <laughs> yet another, bring- another religious <laughs> word. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you you heard yeah. it here, folks. Illithigry <laughs> is a cult. Uh, it's. Uh, the cultiest of cults. It's a, it is it is a proper cult. That's actually a very good way of putting it. It, it is a cult. It, it it just like it changes and morphs, uh, sort of uh, ideologies uh, into something unique enough that it feels like it can be justified as something uh, not the same. And um, uh, so this uh, sort of uh, for, Christianity. Yeah, seriously, uh, <laughs> and many of its. It's gonna be a hard one to edit. Um, <laughs> Uh, Just cut everything out for the last ten minutes. We'll be fine. <laughs> so this forbiddance, uh, this forbiddance of mind flayers uh, pursuing magic outside of psionic uh, power, uh, ca- means that an elder brain often does not need to worry about enforcing, you know, such forbiddance regularly because everyone's sort of it's a hive mind, right? Like it doesn't happen yeah. very often, uh, but uh, I mean. It, and this is not only because of the Elder Brain's influence, but because, and I quote from the Monster Manual, or sorry, I think it's from Volo's Guide, and I l- actually love this line. It says, Elithids brook no masters, but members of their own kind. Meaning the influence or, or worshipping of other gods isn't even likely to be noticed by Elithids. Like, it's not, not even remotely considered. Right. I like that. Right. It's very similar to like the anarchist credo, no gods, no masters. Right. Yeah. It's just absolutely uh, none uh, of our own kind. Yes, that's the elder brain, but otherwise, absolutely not. Yeah. Now, because right. of this uh, uh, it's very specific uh, sort of idea when it comes to arcane magic, this means that wizardry uh, is a bit of a rare temptation because wizardry is not... Uh, uh, about having a master it's about understanding something right it's about high a high intellect uh, understanding of i guess you know supernatural um things and, and physics and that sort of thing so within spell books an illithid might actually see the opportunity or quote systems to acquire authority something they crave and work towards despite the other brain's eternal authority. Again, we talked about previously, they aspire to more power with right. the other brain always being at the top. Now, most mind flayers that find a spell book will treat it with, again, I'm going to do a lot of this quote, abhorrence or indifference, but some are a rare few that will see its pages and perceive the workings within as uh, something from a, a highly intelligent mind and a gateway to new thinking. So a lot of this is like, like semi-quoted from, from Volo's Guide. Yeah, and yeah. the study of such books can actually be hidden from other elithids, including the elder brain, for a short time. And this is because it only becomes obvious when the elithid sees the value in it. Uh, which means they, when they understand its contents. So they can actually see that it's complicated when they first look at it and understand that that complication might result in something. That's the uniqueness of, of the mind flare or lithid that sees it. Uh, if they see a potential in something that they don't understand, that's what makes them stand out. But they can hide uh, the fact that they see that potential to start. Once they understand what that potential is, 
the elder brain knows, the colony knows. They are connected enough that they become a target and they have become a rebel and, again, a deviant. Gotcha. It is when understanding uh, no longer eludes them that they can become caught. They can be caught by the colony. And this new mind flayer arcanist is what they become. Uh, if they still live shortly after discovering this, ever, ever, after having this eureka moment. Eureka! Eureka! <laughs> That's when they have to flee the colony to survive. And exile, specifically, is self-imposed. Uh, and that's a very important part. The, the colony does not exile an arcanist. An arcanist exiles themselves from the colony. Uh, this all adds up, yeah. Yeah, we didn't touch on it before, but I also, also didn't know that before. Um, it ma- well, and it makes so much more sense. In, in something in where you want everyone to be the same, someone thinking or something thinking differently is dangerous to the status quo. Right. And, and it becomes it's it's it becomes a target or it's to be quashed uh, as opposed to exiled, right? Yeah, um, exactly. So they exile themselves for the sake of survival. Makes sense. Uh, and so now we'll talk about what the result of freedom is. Um, you know, facing their first taste of freedom, literally their first taste of freedom, uh, it must be quite overwhelming. And various uh, arcanists, mindful arcanists, will react in varying ways. I have a feeling this is going to be very similar to the first time a lot of us go off to college. <laughs> it's like growing up, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the so uh, there's it's not it's not a huge list of, of possibilities, but here we have like you know uh, again quote uh, some prize their privacy and become more reclusive, which makes Check. sense. Uh, others, <laughs> James relates. Others seek to commune with other like-minded individuals. Kind of why and how we created this podcast, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And some seek to destroy their colony or another and claim leadership uh, normally only held by an elder brain. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Uh, a sort of a job revenge, come back which I can kind story. of understand, uh, but also a, uh, uh, a, a want for claim of leadership, which which falls in line with, uh, regardless of elder brain influence, a mind flyer, uh, mind flayer mentality. Yeah, it's very dramatic. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I like that it's dramatic, but it is very, very dramatic. Yeah. Now, regardless of its new motivations, a, an arcanist uh, does face. Uh, an existential crisis of never communing with the elder brain. So we again, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a lot of things again and again and again and again. I think, but uh, we talked about this. An elder brain, you know, when when a mind flayer dies, their brain is like put into a funerary jar. It is bestowed upon the elder brain, and it communes and lives ideally lives eternally. Um, you know, everything for. Elithids and, and mind flares is about the mind as opposed to the soul and you know to have that live on is the ultimate concept so when an archivist leaves the colony in this way um, death becomes a much more permanent concept which is very terrifying to them uh, and Alhoons are distinctively ignored, feared, and hated by mortal elithids. So there's just like absolutely no way uh, 
they can ever find themselves uh, available to be entered into the elder brain or or carried on in that in that manner. Right. So this, of course, leads to the path to lichdom. And it becomes a very much uh, big part of their their sort of outlook and picture. Yes, and please. mind flayer. Sorry, say again. Yes, please. You know I love my undeads. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, mind flayers are mind flayers are already used to feeding on brains of hapless victims and, and such, and uh, so they have zero reservations about feeding souls to a phylactery, which is a necessary requirement for a lich's survival. Um, but what they do struggle with is that not only discovering the secrets of, uh, of acquiring a lich tomorrow is that like, you know, hard and, and difficult, but uh, there's also a requirement of reaching uh, sort of their apex in arcane power. Like they have to be an arcane spellcaster at the top level of ability. And this is actually inherently difficult for uh, an elithid to reach. Uh, because they are not used to it, they do not. They they start on a foundation that abhors it with their psionic abilities, and so they uh, they are already at a disadvantage of acquiring lichdom. They, it's what they it's what they more or less need or want the most to pursue their own uh, our uh, arcanist gains, uh, but they are at a massive disadvantage compared to anyone else. And um, despite their innate power, which I thought was pretty fascinating. For those of you out there who are running an undead campaign, I need you to homebrew me a Mind Flayer Nothic and send me the stat block. <laughs> That'd be so cool. That'd be so cool. That's all I can um, think about is yeah. this one-eyed, four-tentacled <laughs> monster. So we're... Uh, this is all like a, a build up to uh, how an owl hoon can uh, be and where, where they've come from. And we're going to dive right into that. Okay, let's let's do it. This path to lichdom. Uh, it started with a group of nine mind flares. I do not have their names, so don't ask. <laughs> and these mind flares were confronted with the daunting hurdle uh, of avoiding death, and they combined their arcane and psionic powers to, quote, weave a new truth. I love that term. (laughs) Very intense. I promise you it's not elaborated on. (laughs) I have no doubt. That's what they do. (laughs) um, What is Eric Mona doing these days? Let's get him on this. Seriously, um, the so the nine the nine mind flayers they called themselves the Alhoon. That's where the name comes from. Okay. And any mind flayer that followed in their footsteps has been referred to as the same name, essentially. And I'm guessing we don't have a translation for that, eh? We do not. They, I, I did not come across any particular uh, translation. Um, yeah, I, I actually was thinking about that today. How how frustrating! It's a little bit frustrating on that, eh? Uh, we, we've had a couple of those uh, that that were sort of satisfying, I guess, or they, they, they elaborated, but we don't get it here. Yeah. But regardless, uh, here's uh, we do have some insight into what the Alhoun did, what they accomplished, uh, what what makes an Alhoun, and so uh, basically a group of mind flare arcanists that can cooperate 
in creating what is known as a periapt of mind trapping. A uh, periapt is like a sort of a just like it's like a vessel. It's like a little. Uh, it's like a fancy word for for like a charm or an amulet. That's it. Yeah, there's a couple of periaps in the uh, DMG. Right. Yeah, uh, a couple of magic items uh, with that uh, that moniker, and basically, it requires a minimum of three arcanists and an equal number of souls from living creatures to perform so this ritual. Yeah. So it start it started with nine, uh, but it's a minimum of three, and it's a three day long ritual to conduct using both arcane spellcasting and psionics on uh, a periapt made of silver, emerald, and amethyst. After the ritual is finished, uh, free-willed undeath, which is another quote, is bestowed upon the arcanists, creating Alhoons. So I need to clarify this, because I'm not mm-hmm. sure I'm following. So an Alhoon is anybody who follows in this footsteps of this nine. But they're technically not an Alhoon until they become um, undead. Yeah, sort of. I, I think that there's a sort of a weird gray area with the. So Alhoon is the journeyman, the, and Alhoon is the destination. So I, th- I think it's that the the f- the nine that discovered this, uh, what we described earlier as a sort of shortcut to Lichdom, uh, they called themselves the Alhoon, and right. once they completed their task, anyone who followed their footsteps was referred to as one of the Alhoon. Yeah. So is that um, somebody so who's on as, their way to becoming? Yeah. No. No. A, a no. Witch? I think as as no. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. You, what? You, yeah. That makes sense. Uh, when they say follow their footsteps. I I I personally think that it's like once you've achieved um, the ritual being completed, and you have you have uh, found the result of right. again free willed on death. Um, you okay. are an Alhoon. Yeah. So becoming an Alhoon is like completing your journeyman ticket. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Gotcha. So in in North America, you're not an Alhoon until you get your red seal and science <laughs> and arcane magic. You're you're just an aspiring Alhoon. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in Europe, you're you're you're, you're a, a journeyman, cook, not a chef. <laughs> yeah. You're journeyman until you get your ticket in Alhoon. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> um, now. Uh, there is a, a certain level of spotting. Uh, I've listed this little thing called spotting the difference. Um, so basically, at first, uh, someone who does uh, achieve Alhundum, I'm calling it Alhundum now, <laughs> um, they're basically nearly indistinguishable from other mind flares, uh, with like a, a specific uh, exception. Basically, they no longer produce the normally ever-present mucus that coats their skin. And this causes their skin to dry and crack, and their eyes become sunken and shriveled. Now, both are uh, sort of features, you know, or differences easily missed by creatures that are unfamiliar or have never seen a mind flare. So uh, generally, they might never see the difference, which is kind of a, a kind of a, a cool idea to, to work with you're playing with uh, players that um, haven't encountered one yet or characters that haven't encountered one yet. And so you, you could just like not allow players to know straight up, despite, despite the results of their checks, that, that uh, this is an Alhoon versus a Mind Flare because they wouldn't know, necessarily know the difference. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. So it, it's a small thing, but it, uh, but it goes somewhere, right? 
it, I, and it's also very fair, which I find is um, not always prevalent in these uh, these you know differences between creatures. Right. The the difference between you know you you can easily dis- uh, sorry it's fair to the GM. Mm-hmm. You can easily describe dry and cracky skin versus smooth and um, moist. Mucus I guess. covered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so like yeah. that—that's an easy physical description for you to slip in to give the players everything that they need to know that it's an Alhoon versus a Mind Flare, right. without actually having to give it away. Whereas I, I find that a lot of the time, you know, these subtle differences aren't so subtle in the physical descriptions. Right. So yeah. it's it's yeah, it's, it's great. Nice. You'd be like, oh, you see this creature, and perhaps maybe the player is not familiar. Like you see this creature, it's got it's got four tentacles in its face, and it stands so so high, and its skin is cracked and dry. You know, if if the player or the character don't know what skin cracked and dry means, they might just panic and say mind flare. And what they what they actually have in front of them is something much more powerful. Yeah, which and I like means that. they should panic more. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like that a lot. I, I yeah. think um, I think it's very similar to the difference between like ghoul and ghast. Like it it you right. you can really get the difference across in the description for the people in the know. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that little bit of um, I guess insider trading for the like it's almost like a reward for players who have been playing this game for forever. And I, yeah. I like that because it doesn't actually exclude other players. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, uh, right, uh, and uh, again, I, I'm I'm right with you. I'm right with you. I love that. I absolutely love that uh, that sort of subtle difference um, that gives you a little extra room to work with uh, when it comes to narrative and story and, and GMing. Um, yeah, and it's it's almost a reward for being a fan. And mm-hmm. I, I like when things do that, especially this game, because I don't find it particularly often. You get awarded for being a fan of this game long term without mm-hmm. actually getting, you know, more information as a player. So I'm, I'm yeah, into that sure. a lot. Yeah. Um, I just I just shared with you a couple of pictures. Uh, I think one's from 3rd edition, one's from 5th edition of the Alhoon. I mean, and one is definitely not from fifth edition. I can tell you that. Yeah, the, uh, I think it's the second one I sent. Uh, so yeah, the, the one with the blue skirts <laughs> on him. Uh, yeah, very much more. And you can see these sort of sunken eyes, the withered sort of look to the skin, and uh, as it, it's described as uh, sort of the flesh is withered away and the eyes become small pinpricks of cold light and that's a very uh lich like feature specifically uh, yeah. so regardless uh they do sort of um achieve that that physical description at least over time so it's i really really like the 5e art yeah uh, i really like the attention to detail and all like the finger bones um yeah, you know, lining all of the edges of the black uh, mantle yeah. are, are finger bones. Yeah. Um, whereas the third edition art, I, th- I think it's three. Yeah, looks like a cuttlefish with <laughs> spikes on it on top of Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> it is very Edward Scissorhands, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's really That's like a Tim late Burton creature right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that whole outfit is like late nineties, um, like techno goth. Like there are a lot of straps or a lot of <laughs> yep. belts. Like yep. that's the kind of shit I would have worn in like in like 2003 <laughs> when I was going to raves, you know? Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, straight like, up. That's that's exactly like, what that is. That's yeah. the kind of stuff you were about at Hot Topic before Hot Topic became mainstream. <laughs> 100 percent absolutely he's he's a he's a bit of an edgelord that one man <laughs> uh i don't want to say edgelord because i definitely had a pair of pants that's reminiscent of this it was okay. like they were like white plaid but they had a bunch of belts and straps on them oh. um so you couldn't spread your legs too far but they look cool as hell sweet jesus <laughs> if you the past so. was a weird place listeners <laughs> All right, Freeman, quickly segue us out of this. <laughs> no, uh, l- listen farther for more on James Weirdro- uh, uh, Wardrobe. <laughs> it's always been bad. It's always been bad. Uh, all right, let's get back on topic. Um, okay. So basically, uh, so true, true lichdom uh, involves trapping one's own soul into a phylactery, right? And the Come phylactery knowledge. is is fed common knowledge of course uh the phylactery is fed souls so that it can continue to preserve the body and consciousness uh, of the original creature and if you're not learning that in grade school you're going to a bad grade school yeah i mean honestly honestly no creativity at all um none so when a lich's body is destroyed, I'm peeking into our, what will definitely be our, our future lich episode. Uh, but so basically, when the lich's body is destroyed, in whatever whatever manner, it re- reforms near the phylactery. So an Alhoun's version of lichdom does not work the same way at all. Instead of the body being reformed and undeath being restored, the Alhoun's mind is transferred into the periapt where they commune with other trapped minds and souls of the sacrificed. So they don't... That's fucking horrifying. They aren't actually granted uh, any kind of eternal uh, sort of idea of of undeath. Not Uh, only that, they're sentenced to commune with all of the souls they (laughs) sacrificed to get there. Uh, Okay, we'll kind of get to that. Jury of your peers. (laughs) So their minds actually have a little more power than the souls. That's sort of the idea. Uh, oh, so the usefulness God. of a periapt uh, lies in its ability to sort of, quote, reset the clock. Uh, and that's uh, reset the clock on, on, on death of the Alhoun. So basically, an Alhoun's undeath lasts only as long as the sacrificed soul lived. Uh, so example given, this is straight from Volo's Guide, is that a 200-year-old elf will give more time to an Alhoun's undeath than, say, a 35-year-old humanoid. Oh. Which makes sense. It's literally equal. And as such, an Alhoun may continue sacrificing souls to extend its life by repeating the, the ritual. This is why this is a shortcut to Lichdom. It's not perfect. Right. It is, right, it is, right, a, right. is a way of extending one's life. Yes, they do become undead. Yes, they do experience undeath. Uh, but they have to continue this process to extend that undeath. And destroying the Periapt does indeed commit all souls and minds held within to oblivion it is a permanent death right okay so just uh, very, to go very back like a little a bit for a lich right but just to go back a little bit so when the alhoun dies its mind is transferred to the periapt can it get out of that uh, as far as i know no that's horrifying but it also does require multiple alhouns uh, to create even one periapt. And there are multiple souls that need to consistently go in. And yeah. I, I didn't come across anything that specifically described uh, that other Alhuns can't, uh, like later on, 
uh, be attached to the same periapt, which is sort of what I would like to explore in a, maybe a homebrew or, or, or personal idea of, uh, when it comes to a campaign. Yeah. I'm curious to see their spell list now. Mm-hmm. So all of this, of course, means that Alhons will go to great lengths to per- create protections for both the periapt and the preferred ritual site because they have to conduct this regularly, right? Right. And they have to do this sort of collectively. Uh, and multiple Alhuns are, are attached to the same object. Very rarely, very rarely, a single Alhun will be trusted to keep the periapt on their person. Of course, this is very a very dangerous proposition. Uh, and however, uh, it doesn't. It, it specifies this in a weird way, but I imagine it being relatively uh, uh, equal uh, on the opposite sides. You'll understand what I mean in a sec. So basically, holding a periapt uh, of Alhuns grants a mechanical advantage on all attacks, saves, and checks against the Alhuns involved in the creation. Not only that, but disadvantages bestowed upon the Alhuns versus the holder of the periapt. So if you, were, as a PC, are holding the periapt of a group of Alhuns, who knows how, like a minimum of three, but it could be as many as who knows, um, you are granted advantage against them and they are granted disadvantage against you as long as you right. hold it. That's very powerful. That's that's more than double chance. That's what quadruple chance or more, right? Uh, of yeah. succeeding on multiple things or surviving. The math tops things. out somewhere. I mean, yeah. they're they're different checks. They're not stacking like advantage and disadvantage right. are still only a fifty. I want to say a fifty percent increase. Right. Uh, but it, it's still it's still tremendous given given the mechanics and yeah the it's fifty game, on right? everything versus mm-hmm. fifty on one side of the equation so like right. yeah it's it's huge so I I would assume this sort of also translates across to a uh, uh, say there is one Elhun specifically uh, trusted with holding this periapt well you know that one Elhun uh, if they were meant to manage that uh, that trust well. They have now advantage on saves and checks against the other Alhuns that are close to it, giving them a position of power over um, what would sort of be a a coven, if you will, um, involved in in the creation of this this, uh, device or this item. Yeah, that's a lot. That's part, that definitely could be part of an adventure hook right there or or a narrative. Definitely, Uh, I think, part of a narrative, yeah. On top of that, anyone who holds the periapt also has the ability to, to telepathically speak with any soul and Alhu mind trapped within it. Uh, this is why I've sort of had the idea that maybe an Alhun can be attached to this after it's been created. Like, you know, you don't have to be part of the initial ritual. You can be, you can be joined after. And perhaps the older Alhun minds can speak to you. Uh, the one strange thing about this is like not only do the the trapped souls, the sacrificed souls speak to you as well as the Alhun minds, but uh, as a holder, you can silence the trapped souls, but you cannot silence the Alhun minds from speaking to you. Yeah, no thanks. I'm good. <laughs> hey, that's a, that to me is a very unnerving concept. It's so cool. And it makes me want to be like, hey, 
you know, start your adventure with someone picking up a periapt without knowing that it's a periapt and just give them the most absurd shit and then give them a partial ability to silence it all and then see what they do with the periapt despite never being able to silence a part of it. And, and just like, you could play with that so much. So we'll talk uh, about this a little bit more in Homebrew, but... Oh, um, definitely will, yeah. I think that's a, uh, I think that's a good Homebrew for the Warlock class. Oh, oh man, that'd be so cool. And there's, I'm pretty sure, uh, if it's not out now, I don't think it's out yet, but there is definitely an upcoming uh, Warlock, or at least there was a recent, uh, it was recently on D&D Beyond uh, of uh, Unearthed Arcana for, for aberration-based Warlock, which is really cool. Yeah, so I think that would be very similar to this. But again, we'll, we'll ask me again about that when we get into homework. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, cool. I have some ideas about that. <laughs> Sick. All right. I mean, so that, but that's basically it for Alhoun. That that that's sort of their deal. Um, they create this periapt uh, to extend their life, um, and it does have limited uh, ability, especially compared to the to the uh, phylactery of a lich. And we will certainly see that reflected in our upcoming mechanic section. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I love it. I you know I love. All things undead. I don't know why. Um, it's it's always been something I've struggled against. Just yeah. you know, trying not to be another one of those guys who loves you know horns and skeletons and shit like that. Like I don't yeah. really give a shit about the flesh covered <laughs> stuff. But fuck, do yeah. I love undead creatures? You know, yeah. devils and demons and skeletons and liches and like this yeah. is all fantastic. This is your jam. Yeah, this is, I don't know why, but it's my shit. I'm, yeah, I'm into it. <laughs> We're gonna put James in charge of the Lich episode. I'm, I'm saying that right now. <laughs> oh my god! You just you want to listen to me talk for two hours with an erection? Is that what's happening? <laughs> Do I? <laughs> as long as well, you wear your leather pants, so we can hear every shift. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to go and buy leather pants. Uh... Uh, again. Back to James' wardrobe. Uh, <laughs> a big old thank you to my wardrobe, and I guess a big old thank you to Strangefellas while we're at it. Um, you know I'm going to love it with you, Freeman. As dark as this episode is, I was not able to get any blackmail. Um, so instead, I went the exact other direction, and I'm drinking the Guardian White IPA this week. So... <sighs> I want to be offended, but I've I've made the same mistake, so I can't. I actually, you couldn't I, find I, it either. Te- like, te- no, I, technically, I made a worse mistake. No, 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 there was a few episodes okay. back when I was like, I literally said I don't have any 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 blackmail, which. Oh, uh, right. But then the next episode, I was like, it turns out I had a four pack in the back of my fridge, so I'm like, yeah. shame, shame. <laughs> yeah, I, I specifically got, went out I, to I the failed. store this morning to try and find blackmail, and they they were completely out. Both stores in my neighborhood. Them. You actually couldn't find any in the neighborhood. Yeah, both stores in my neighborhood were completely out. So I have a uh, Guardian IPA here, which has a dragon on it. It is hoppy, fruity, and aromatic. It is a stronger beer than what we normally drink (laughs) by about a percent and a half. So things are only going to go downhill from here. Yeah, I I think Uh, we're both safe in the fact that uh, uh, when I didn't have it and you you now don't have it, we both were still at least drinking Strange Fellows beers. So yeah. 
So a big thank Bruce. you to Strange Fellows. It's called, Fellows that, it's called for... that Bruce, not Brewers. Brewers. <laughs> Brewers. Uh, so a big thank you to Strange Fellows for not sponsoring this episode, but continually inspiring us to continue to drink beer. Yeah. Um, oh, it's absolutely. not healthy. It's probably not doctor recommended, but fuck it. Like this game, we absolutely love them. So, Strange Fellows, thank you. We love you. But uh, Freeman, take me to the second or third worst Jason Statham movie. The Mechanic. <laughs> oh my god. I, I feel like I kind of rem remember that film. Actually, so you can clarify. I'm sure you can clarify for me. Is that the one with Ben Foster in it? Uh, ben Foster's in the first one, yes. He's not in the sequel because there is a second mechanic. This silence are you is, not? My is my disbelief. Okay. <laughs> like, are you not picking me up? It's called The Mechanic uh, Resurrection. Oh, my God. Okay. Is, is The Mechanic the one where he actually uses a, like, fire hose in a fire department to, like, dispatch a bunch of dudes? Or is that in, like, one of the shittier sequels of The Transporter? Uh, I think that's in the transported the the end of the mechanic spoilers for the mechanic 2011 uh, at the end of the movie he blows up Ben Foster in the back seat of his car or in the front seat of his car as he, as he steals it I'll never watch it because as far as I'm concerned no one blows, blows up uh, Ben Foster that's outrageous are you high Ben Foster blows up in like every movie 310 to Yuma not, I, I'm still not happy about it <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fine. That's fair. I like Ben. I like Ben Foster. <laughs> I like Ben Foster too. But I'm trying to make a stand. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. I respect that. You you can cut this bit. All right, no, we're not. go back to the I'm second or third worst Jason Statham movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're <laughs> we're gonna talk about mechanics. Oh, I am definitely a little bit drunk. Okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can tell because that was not that good of a joke. So, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go in. Uh, with uh, mechanics uh, starting in the same order, mind witness. Uh, what uh, what CR do you think? What do you, what CR do you think this creature is? Uh, so again, beholder is a CR thirteen, and this um, creature goes through a seromorphosis, and its intelligence yeah. is reduced. Uh, the score is reduced by two. Uh, that's all the hints I'm giving you. What do you think? Right. So if if. Though the intelligence, which I imagine is the beholder's main stat, is being reduced by a plus two. Is that correct? Plus two? Uh, no, it's the scores by two. Uh, okay, so, so it's, it's being by a plus one at max. Right, right. Um, so I'd say like seven or eight, probably. Okay. Uh, so it's actually lower. Boo. It's a CR five. Boo. Yeah, and um, I, I, I kind of think that it's pseudo justified in the fact that it's also again uh, I, I think lore wise it was described as like like psionically embedded with like dedication to the elder brain so yeah it loses a certain amount of independence slave. um yeah. so that, that independence is is the result of the, in its cr but uh m when we look at the actual mechanics maybe you'll maybe you'll think it's justified um or maybe I think not, that would require some... me knowing what the beholder mechanics are, which I've True gone enough. out of my way not to learn in anticipation of doing the world's longest episode. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, no, actually, I don't think that would be the longest. I think Giants will be the longest. Giants is going to be a uh, Giants has to be a sweet. 
Giants or demons, yeah, or devils. Demons um, has to be. They've got to be a sweet though. Whereas they, I think they, beholders is oh, like one a episode. single episode. Oh yeah. no, there's so many different types of beholders though. There's Not loads really. of really. There's like there's like six. There's there's definitely six. There's there's th- uh, uh, there's three in Monster Man the Monster Manual for sure. And yeah, there's at least three Spectre in Volos and Death guy. Tyrant. Okay, I didn't know there was three in Volos. No, there's def- I'm pretty sure there's two to three at least, yeah. Okay, so and it'll be for a, the record, be Dragons is going to be our longest suite ever. Uh, <laughs> that's that's 100% true. I know um, this because I've already planned it out. <laughs> uh, so Stay the tuned witness, for Dragons, listeners. <laughs> yeah. The Mind Witness is CR5. Um, what I didn't realize right away was that a Beholder is a large creature. Uh, I mean, that makes sense. Again, when I think Beholder, I think the creature in Doom. Yeah, that's, so that's the Kako Demon. Yeah, or Keiko Demon. Yeah, that's what they're called in Doom. How do you know that? Uh, I, I, I looked it up the other day because okay. <laughs> I feel like I felt like I had to. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Uh, yeah. yeah, so when I think Beholder, I think those things. Right, and they're, they're a good size. They're a good size, yeah. They're huge, yeah. Uh, I mean, so mechanically, they're large. Mechanically but, large. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Um, so yeah, uh, so my witness is also large. That they they retain the same size. So CR five HP seventy five, uh, AC of fifteen, uh, all natural armor. Yeah. Um, right. Technically a speed of zero, uh, yeah. but they have because uh, they don't go on the ground. Uh, fly speed of twenty feet, um, and they do have the hover option. So this is this is your buoyancy. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> It's I'm telling you, like, buoyancy. I, I'm not ready to look it up, but I'm telling you that buoyancy <laughs> is an object's uh, is a displacement of water and an object's <laughs> ability to float on a liquid or fluid. I believe you. <laughs> I I don't but remember a whole lot from physics, yeah. but I remember that. I remember being so mad about it. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, I remember the history behind it because it's Archimedes oh, who God. discovered it. <laughs> Archimedes is bathwater to find buoyancy, and and the theory of displacement. Anyway, uh, y- you can keep going now. I'm sorry. <clears throat> so teacher says <laughs> that I mean in five e hover is like in parentheses is basically just just like you know you don't have to do any checks to like uh, stay afloot or, or yeah. in the air or anything like that. Right? So they have a fly speed of twenty feet. They do have the hover feature. Uh, they are large, lawful, evil aberration. Uh, so very much in line with uh, all of the lithids. They can speak deep, uh, languages or deep speech under common. Telepathy is 600 feet. Jesus Christ. So this is, uh, this is where their usefulness that we, we talked about in the, that telepathic hub nature comes in. And that's why that is that the case. Um, their How many creatures can you see in 600 feet? Yep. <laughs> wow. I mean, effectively, that gives them a sight of 600 feet, right? I, th- um, I guess so, yeah. Yeah. So they, uh, I mean, they have, um, uh, they're immune to uh, the prone condition, non-magic, physical, <laughs> the usual, dark vision of 120 feet. Uh, okay, so they don't have vision of 600 feet. Though. Yeah, I guess not. But, so he, here's maybe where it's, it's, it's a little bit... Um, uh, wonky, I don't know. Uh, so they, their first ability, their first and only ability or trait is telepathic hub. So when it receives a telepathic message, it can send the message up to seven other creatures within 600 feet. 
So they are effectively like a beacon, that, like uh, the elder brain can send a message and then it's sent again. So ideally, like if they're on the edge of, say, the elder brain's uh, five mile radius, they can it could be sent another 600 feet. Yeah. Extending the effective range of the elder brain. Okay. Um, I want to be clear that I love this. I love everything you've told me about mind witnesses. However, the language you have used to describe it, and I don't know if it's just... Um, no, I just uh, double-checked it. I just literally, as you're saying, I double-checked it, and it is yeah. 600 feet in that it can see. Okay. So, so it, it's the language it down, that, that Wizards is, is using that I, uh, I find very challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So uh, we don't... I mean, we guess we don't know the base distance uh, of a beholder, or another elithid on which they can see outside of, say, darkness or dim light. Let's assume it's bright light or, or, or regular, you know, vision. Um, we don't know what the, the general basic limit is. But what yeah. we do know is the mind witnesses limit is 600 feet. That yeah. is for sure. I mean, like, I guess you as a human being could probably see 600 feet over your mm-hmm. linear distance. But I don't think you could distinguish... A specific creature, but I guess, you know, these eyes are bigger. My my concern, my real issue is that when I look at the 5 ER, these eyes are milky. Like, these look like they have cataracts. Yeah. And to me, that it looks like a blind creature. So, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if that's on purpose to kind of obscure how far the eyes see. I don't really remember my science on eyes. I know there are cones right. and rods and that the iris takes in light or reflects it flex it off the um, the cones and the rods to see distance and shape. So what I can like tell you is that the Dungeon Master's Guide um, looks... I, I'll quickly Google this. So it says it's on page 243 under a okay. section called Visibility Outdoors. Is a, The basic summary of it is that on a clear day, you can see two miles. What is that in feet? Do you know? Uh... <laughs> Of you went from imperial to imperial. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's that's how they fuck you is going from uh, metric to yeah, me- uh, yeah, imperial to imperial. Uh, it's, uh, that is ten thousand five hundred and sixty feet. Ten thousand uh, feet. Now that's how far you can see, not not a distinguished detail, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, that's three point two kilometers. So that's how far you can register uh, sight. Um, Never in my life have I been anywhere, and I've driven through the prairies where I can right. see three kilometers ahead of me. And I, of course, assuming this means nothing obstructing your view, it also means nothing. You have uh, everything in front of you is in the same elevation as you. So yeah, and that's what I mean. Like I've driven through concept. the prairies, like yeah. <laughs> driving through you know Lower Manitoba. It is you know 30 or 40 miles or kilometers of straight yeah. and flat and i i can tell you i can't see three kilometers ahead of me yeah right. um but uh, uh, you know so. i i am not the base character in D D. i'm yeah i'm below a comma you're way worse oh yeah 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 so, <laughs> um yeah ten thousand seems like a lot of feet yeah um um so, I mean, okay, there you sure. go. Um, which is like significantly less than the 600 foot <laughs> range, apparently. So, yeah. Um, maybe this is just something that uh, Wizards is oversighted again? You know? No, no, it's probably not. <laughs> it's probably one of those Imperial things that I just, or metric Imperial things that I just straight up just don't 
get or understand. Right. And and again, yeah. you know, we as individuals were were commoners. You know, guys like me are worse than commoners. I'm sure you're about on that range now that you've had the LASIK. But right, uh, like I, I can tell you, my vision isn't perfect, and even with right. So I, I definitely can't see three kilometers, yeah. but um, I don't well, know. It's, reg- it seems... regar- regardless of like base ability to see at a distance, um, what we do know is that the mind witness can see 600 feet and it doesn't need to necessarily need to um, uh, uh, know what individual it sees. It just needs to know that it does see an individual and up to seven of those individuals can receive the telepathic message it received. Right. And again, my, my problem isn't the telepathic message up to 600 feet. It's the fact that it needs to see that creature. I feel like I could probably just mark that creature, like Hunter's Mark, which is a spell that exists in 5e. Right. Um, and then just you, you can take the whole sight thing out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand why sight has to be included in this. And that's kind of my, my issue or my problem right. with the, this whole creature so far is that and sight I, is a big yeah. part of it. I wonder if we would see that if we actually explore Beholder, which neither of us obviously have done. So maybe yeah. there's a, a translation there. Maybe there isn't. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, let us know, creatures, if there is. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, or, or uh, if you're a Patreon, you can get us on our Discord. Like, we, I, I want to know. I, I really do want to know. Yeah. Um, but that's enough dicking around with this one ability. Uh, what kind of actions do they have? I'm sure they've got to have something more interesting. They've got something. Most of it's mundane. Multi-attack. Um, one one with its bite, one with its tentacles. So two attacks. Um, bite is plus five to hit. Four D6 plus two piercing. Nothing special. That's uh, a lot for a CR5, though. Uh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, the tentacles is the exact same. Uh, no okay. reach on the tentacles, so it, it is like a melee range. Yeah, um, I guess you don't want to really. But this creature the tentacles do to have the uh, if the target is larger, smaller. Uh, if they succeed in the attack, mm-hmm. they are grappled. Uh, escape DC is thirteen, and uh, DC thirteen intelligence save to be stunned until the grapple ends. So it's right in there with the mind flare uh, right. tentacle attack. Same, same, same thing essentially, uh, but just with the appropriate. Uh, Plus to hit damage and and uh, DCs uh, for a CR five. Okay. Um, so yeah, they can bite you. They can tentacle you. They can stun you and that sort of thing. So uh, they could be pretty. They could be pretty uh, vicious. Uh, the, this is where the, the the altered eye rays of the mind witness is where it gets really interesting um, and uh, a little bit confusing to be honest. Which particularly in the last one, uh, but we'll go down the list. Essentially, uh, as an action, they can shoot three. I rays, at, but the I rays are chosen at random, and yep. any duplicate I ray is re-rolled, so they cannot do the same one back to back in the same action. And I'm prepared to be corrected, but I think that's a hole over from the beholder. Oh yeah, it, it could very well be. Uh, that that would make a lot of sense. Um, again, a, a good reason to like look at beholder uh, to compare this because it says the I rays are altered, not not you know, gone or anything like that, right? Uh, as a general rule, the range of the IRAs are 120 feet of a target you can see. And the very first option is aversion ray, uh, which is a DC 13 charisma save or have disadvantage on attack rolls for one minute. Fuck, saving that's so long. Yeah, <laughs> saving throw repeated at the end of your turn. Uh, so possible to avoid uh, after a short amount right. of time. Fear ray, 
uh, DC 13 wisdom save or become frightened for one minute, uh, saving third repeat at the end of your turn. Psychic right. Ray, DC 13 intelligence save or take 6d8 psychic damage, which is pretty beast at CR5. Um, yeah, no huge. half save on that. It's take it or don't. Yeah, save or die. Yeah. Uh, there's Slowing Ray, uh, DC 13 dexterity saving throw or speed is halved for one minute. You cannot take reactions and you can take either a standard or bonus action, but not both. That's pretty huge. That's pretty huge, yeah. Again, saving throw repeated at the end of the turn. Uh, stunning Ray, DC 13 constitution save or be stunned for one minute, saving throw at the end of your turn. And then finally, the telekinetic Ray, DC 13 strength save or be moved up to 30 feet in any direction of the mind witnesses choosing. <coughs> Target is restrained by the Ray's, quote, telekinetic grip until the end of the mind witness's turn, or the mind witness is, of course, incapacitated. Uh, this particular ray can also target an object that weighs uh, 300 pounds or less and can be used for fine manipulation, such as using a tool, opening a door, or opening a container, uh, that sort of thing. Right. Um, that's the part that I actually find a little bit confusing, but, I mean, overall, I think this is really cool that it, it has the possibility of covering a charisma, wisdom, intelligence, dexterity, constitution, strength, specifically one of each. Yeah, uh, yeah I like that a lot, too. <laughs> which is, I think, is really cool. Uh, and it's at very, very random, which which is what makes me confused with the last one, because uh, why would the... Uh, mind witness target something they can finally manipulate such as opening a door and this thing you know why would they ever do that at random they would only ever do it on purpose and uh also if they could do it on purpose why is it at random right so based on the wording of that i don't think it's random i think you roll you roll for what rays you're going to use right like you roll a d6 Mm -hmm. i'm guessing Okay. I think I think you roll the rays and then choose the targets. And okay, so that makes a lot of sense. I I like that a lot yeah. less, and I know you do too, based on the kind of players we are. Like, mm-hmm. I, I like the idea of choosing the targets and then rolling the ray so much right. more than I like you know rolling the ray and then choosing the targets. But five right, is is right. kind of a cop out in that regard, where it's always you know roll and then choose. Um, so I, I, you know, if I were going to shoot three eye rays, I would roll three d6s and be like, okay, this one is the aversion ray. This one's going against the paladin. This one's the telekinetic ray. This yeah. one is going to open the the door for the alhoons in the next room or whatever. Right. Um, so so I, I'll actually I'll actually read straight from Volo's guide the the very first part, and and you're you're very much correct on this based on this wording. The mind witness shoots three of the following magical eye rays at random. Comma, choosing one to three targets it can see within 120 feet of it. So the rays are chosen operations. first, and yeah. then the targets are chosen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that makes sense. I, again, I like it less, and I'm sure you do too, because um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm the I kind do, of player yeah. <laughs> who likes to roll my stats in order. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I, I most I, I agree because that's actually like we'll just we'll just do a quick homebrew section on this. I would one hundred percent do it that order. You're absolutely right. You and I are on the same page in that. Uh, and I would just like pull that uh, that the object part out of tele- telekinetic ray. I just pull that away and just make that a sort of side attribute. They can just do that. 
you know, it, but it takes like a, sta- uh, a standard action, or or you could sacrifice one of the three random rays to, for them to like manually do that. But otherwise, you know I would what? like I would like to do that. I I like the idea that the telekinetic rays in there. So you're like, okay, I want to choose this door, but I want to close this door. But you hit it with a stunned ray, so it can't actually be moved. Or you hit it with the <laughs> slow ray, so it, it you know it opens at half speed, so it takes uh, a full see, full no, round to open. That's so great. Or you know, it, <laughs> awesome. you hit it with a yeah. psychic ray, and the door just fucking explodes. So, you know? <laughs> oh, so like man. I, there's no, your I'm, counter hook. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm I'm here for this. I'm I'm yeah. here for you know. I love that. I love that. Or choosing your targets and rolling the ray like the aversion right. Nope. The door is just stuck in whatever position it's in. <laughs> you know the fear ray. It slams shut the next turn or some shit yeah. like that. You know, like, or it has no effect. Whatever. Like I I got no problem with one ray having no effects. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it could just flop, you know? There's not, nothing yeah. wrong with that. This yeah. is your opportunity to have a couple of drinks and just be stupid. Like, <laughs> explore it. You know, yeah, explore I'm it. a couple of beers in. Like, just have fun with it. Like, Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm, I'm down with your homebrew. But, no, I love you know, that. Yeah. A door is the best and only example that I can think of. Like, <laughs> the crate is so freight that it doesn't, it doesn't open. It doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. <laughs> Or, you know, like you fear ray a chest and like the lock is just now it was a DC 15. Now it's a DC 20. Yeah. Like, sure. Whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, again, I, I think what you're talking about is very, very situational, but I think it could be a lot of fun if you just if, if you're trying to manipulate the um, uh, sorry, if you're trying to control the battlefield with this particular creature, I don't necessarily think you're running the encounter right, but it's, it could be fun. <laughs> the encounter's make it, right? <laughs> yeah, why not use it as a striker and a controller? Like, yeah. I mean, these three I-rays, most of these I-rays are control things, right? Like, between the aversion. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I guess aversion's a buff, fear is a control, psychic is a striker, slowing is a control, stunning is a yeah. control, uh, telekinetic ray is... I guess also a control, but maybe a buff. It could also be an instant death, to be honest, depending on your terrain. Yeah, definitely. 30 feet in any direction, and you're restrained. You can do nothing. You can't react. Uh, Not even to grab an edge, right? So... Yeah, but I mean, you you can't... I guess you could move somebody 10 feet over and 20 feet down a ledge, but... Yeah. You could just move them 30 feet straight up and make them take three, six... Uh, falling damage, you know. I mean, you could turn that into a damage five move. Five is going to be a lot. Yeah. I, I think the point is to turn it into a damage move, mm-hmm. um, and you know, you could move them over a cliff. Like, yeah, but it, it depends I, on how deadly you want to take. You know, turn the turn the terrain into right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these these could be a very dangerous CR five. I think, and yeah. I, I think it would be a lot of fun to run one of these. I love the um, yeah. I love the role to play creatures like i love the randomness yeah. I mean, the, of that. The, the more i read about uh elithids and, and their other creatures like the the farther i want to like you know have a, a party explore into the depths of a colony you know <laughs> i want you to write this campaign like i really i really really do i want He's you to write fun. your yeah. elithid campaign where the where the halfway boss is the cranian rap voltron <laughs> oh that'd be so good <laughs> But we're we're not even done it yet. When yeah. I win the lottery, uh, that's what I'll do. <laughs> right. Perfect. Yeah. 
Or maybe that's our $1,000 a month Patreon goal. Oh, there we go. $1,000 a month. I will write this Mind Flare Colony campaign. It'd be so good. Awesome. Sometimes. Perfect. I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> Okay. But we're not even through Mind Flayers yet. Talk, talk to me about Elithrids. really not at all. Yeah, Elithrids. Yeah. Um, uh, Staple number two. Uh, what do you imagine these guys are? See, these are like the, the independent Mind Flayers. What's the CR Yeah, these are the Super Soldier, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, sort of. Sorry, I also wanted to just point out that the four tentacles that the Mind Witness gains are reflective of the four tentacles of a Mind Flayer because the Elithrid right. has six. That's how you know it's superior. So. Right. Yep. Um, I'm really, really impressed with the, the, the subtle details of the lore mm-hmm. of the Mind Witness, and I just wanted to point that out to anyone who, yeah. um, who missed it like I did for the first I, half of this episode. I agree. The fact that you, the fact that you noticed that the, uh, the seven eyes and seven like, you know, people, like seven creatures that could be targeted, like that blows my mind. Uh, but yeah. I'm right there with you. It's awesome. I love those, those subtle details, and you just notice one that, that's not, not nearly as obvious. No, and it, it really it, it it took me a while to get there, but um, yeah. I, was, I was looking at the tentacle slam, right. and I was thinking about the Elithrid six tentacles versus the four tentacles, and that's that's what it was. Is that it's yeah. reflective of a traditional four tentacle mind flare. So cool. Um, so if a mind flare is what CR eight, CR seven, CR nine. A regular uh, oh, sorry, mind sorry. Flare? Oh, sorry. Uh, I gave it away. My flare is a seven. Okay. You lift a nine. Yeah. Right. So two more tentacles adds up to two more CR to me. So CR nine, I'm going to say. You say that, but then like four tentacles equals CR seven? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. It's just there. a base value. It's just a couple hidden tentacles we don't see, guys. <laughs> no, each one equals one and three quarter. Yeah. That. Adds up to me. Um, <laughs> that probably doesn't. So the, the, yeah, Ulithrid's uh, CR9. Um, HP is 127. You're getting a little bit high there. Uh, AC remains about the same. It's a 15. Uh, and that's uh, assuming it's wearing a breastplate, particularly. Okay. Uh, and it's got a, a land speed of 30. And just so we're clear, uh, that breastplate is not indicative of a much. So uh, the, it's literally the same as the Mind Flayer. Uh, okay. They both have a base. A breastplate is a base AC of 14, and they both have a dex mod of plus one. That's it. So AC 15 okay. with a breastplate on. Um, so they're slippery and, creatures, but not very m- mobile. Right. Uh, here's, here's a big thing that uh, stunned me a bit is that the Illithrid is a large creature as opposed to a medium. Fuck right off. They, uh, they're they beefed up, yeah, <laughs> and in size. Uh, like, if you look at the 5e art, like, though, not only are their tentacles uh, numbering in six instead of four, but they are long and elaborate and just, like, writhing all over the place. And, uh, yeah, and they are a large creature. And, like, that to me is visually terrifying like a mind flare is unnerving to begin with visually like in the fact that it can grab you and pull your brain out with its mouth and its tentacles this thing is large it's like double your size guaranteed and it's like it just like freaks me out a bit um and i I literally came across that large hasn't technically doubled your size well it's a it's a at least doubled your size that's not true uh, yeah, actually, that's, you're right. That's not true. Large creatures uh, like I, what, ten feet and above? 
eight feet and uh, above I, even? I actually, it's about eight feet. It's above eight feet, I believe it is. Yeah. Okay. Medium can be medium. Uh, I think caps at eight, maybe eight and a half. I th- but yeah. I think it's eight feet. Yeah. So like I would barely have to tilt my head up to look at a large creature. I mean, I'm not saying this thing isn't terrifying. <laughs> I don't want to get in close enough to this thing to have to tilt my head up but i think you'd be doing more uh, than tilting your head up if it grabbed a hold of you <laughs> yeah i'm gonna be shooting my pants mostly yeah. i think uh, yeah uh okay so, so what, I mean, what are these it things is, have? It is very imposing very imposing presence um Agreed. sorry and uh you'll have to check out our instagram for the photo of it the, the oh yeah five they're, they're ridiculous yeah so they're really cool looking uh and so, I mean, uh, the usual, they speak deep speech uh, under common. Their telepathy extends two miles or 3.2 kilometers. So, pretty, pretty damn big. Yeah, it's um, huge. Yeah. And uh, they have no particular condition immunities or resistance or anything like that. Um, they do have a pretty big boost to their intelligence, wisdom, and charisma modifiers. Or, sorry, for, for saves. So, nine, eight, and nine, respectively. And uh, skills they have like plus nine to arcana, plus eight to insight, uh, plus eight to perception, plus five to stealth. They are lacking in the more charisma based uh, boosts uh, of the mind flare, which do have like deception and perception or yeah, persuasion. Yeah. I'm curious as to why arcana has such a high boost. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I actually don't know. I wonder. If it, I wonder if it's the result of them being more likely to be. Uh, an arcanist or they just or, or maybe it's the lack of um their lack of uh, uh influence from the elder brain because right. they these things are intelligence-based creatures generally yeah or maybe it's like they're um you know you're more aware of the things that can hurt you more kind of thing mm-hmm. or you have more access to outside knowledge in general yeah. because you're not suppressed Right, that's that's good. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Let's go with that. Hmm. Uh, Okay. Uh, And then from there, I mean, they have dark vision, one hundred twenty feet, passive perception, eighteen. So like all pretty high, but it's a CR nine creature, so it's it's not not out of uh, the realm of reason. I haven't Um, seen anything here that's even kind of reasonable for a CR nine. To be honest with you, like the 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 saves are good, but the HP and the AC below so let's see what they've got for abilities i'm not i i I said it way earlier like i'm not enthused about these stat blocks uh i think the minus is pretty cool but i think the illithrid and uh and the um alhoon are a bit lacking in my opinion okay Uh, but we'll we'll definitely explore it uh so the their first ability is creature sense um, it's right in there with the intellect of our kind of thing. Uh, you know, they're aware of intelligent creatures of, uh, intelligence score of four or higher within their two mile radius of telepathy. Uh, they know the distance and direction and the actual score, but nothing else. And, uh, this can be blocked by non-detection or the mind blank spell, which we discussed previously. That's still pretty huge. Yeah. It's, it's still pretty big. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to hunt you down if they want. No, no like, problem at all. Every rogue you have is now useless. <laughs> screwed screwed shoot and barbecued as my mother would say yeah it feels that way <laughs> like there's almost i i can't i'm sure somebody out there in creature land could tell us how to get sneak attack on something that knows where you are based on your intelligence score right but yeah. i can't think of a way <laughs> it's pretty that is a good point it's it's pretty outrageous yeah um so they also have magic resistance i've later in the usual i'm kind of tired of looking at it 
Yeah, you know, that's advantage fair. on saving throws against spells and other magical effects. That's that's it. We're I'll always I'll always specify what it is, but my God, everyone's got it. And uh, they also have an ability called Psionic Hub. So this is where their uh, relationship to the Elder Brain comes in, and it's a it's a little bit interesting. It's it's nothing special, but it's it's it. Make sure everything adds up. So basically, if the Elder Brain establishes its psychic link, which we discussed in the previous episode, um, the Ulithrid. Uh, so if it establishes this link with the Ulithrid, it can detect any creature the Ulithrid does. So the Elder Brain has a five mile range, and the Ulithrid has a two mile range, right? So right. this works as long as the creatures being sensed will remain within the telepathic range of either creature. Yeah, this makes sense. Right. Once linked, uh, once the link is established, it remains regardless of the distance between the Ulithrid and the Elder Brain. Okay. As long as, as, right long as they're on the same plane of, ex- of existence. You know? That just changed everything. Right. So this is, this is, this is where it gets big. Uh, so the Ulithrid can go who cares how far away, and the other brain can still sense what it senses. However, the Ulithrid may end that link once it's outside of the other brain's five-mile reach, if it chooses. Right. So yeah. if it remains linked to the other brain of its own free will, the other brain does have the ability to do this. And I can't tell you, I didn't write it down, but I can tell you that it takes no action in case it matters to end that link. Um, but once it releases, uh, breaches that five mile radius, it can end it. No problem. So there, yeah. there was a very, very, uh, specific line there. Uh, and you could play with that narratively. There's not, there's nothing to say that a Ulithrid has to, uh, actually, you know, want to like wholly escape an older brain. It just generally is ideal for it to not remain in the colony, uh, on a survival basis. But if it leaves the colony, it does not necessarily mean it has to break its connection. Uh, and it could actually find value in maintaining the connection with the other brain, you know, and the other brain could find value in turn. I see it, but it's still. It's still kind of being a slave to your master, and it right. seems like when you li- you, and it seems like when you Lithrids want to become independent, their end game is to become their own master, as opposed to being right. like this is kind of like being a baron in a king's land. Mm-hmm. Whereas you Lithrids seem to me, uh, at least, are written that they want to be kings of their own lands. I mean, all mind flayers do. Right, all of yeah, that's true. But I mean, Ulithrids are, are born un- with the ability. Yeah, they're born with the ability to 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 break off uh, right away. Whereas uh, other but mind flayers, I just love just don't it. Have that's what I love ability. about this mechanic is that they, they have it. Sort of allows them the choice to not break away. They have the ability to do it all the time, but they're not necessarily going to do it. It sort of inspires to to um, uh, to not uh, 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 go with that right away. Like maybe there's an option of, of staying linked. Yeah, and I, I mechanically, I've got no arguments here. I think this is great. I, I love the idea of like, um, like you know, uh, a Ulithrid general, you know, or um, yeah. a vanguard, like you know, the Ulithrid Christopher Columbus, who's going to come over and fuck up all the natives of the land. <laughs> 
Jesus, yeah. <laughs> there could be a uh, what's what's the word looking for? A symbiotic relationship established to something. Yeah, and I, it sounds like that's at least in the lore that you talked about earlier that that's exactly what happens. Is that the elder blade gives the Lithrid a good chunk of leash, and you know that leash could right. be you know go. Sort of as a discover an and conquer to not, new lands. Not be a problem. <laughs> yeah. Go, yeah, go off and do these things. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, 100%. Um, so from there, I mean, we'll get an, uh, they are very obviously have innate spellcasting due to their psionics, uh, which is right. a, a common uh, thing. We have um, uh, intelligence mod spell save DC of 17 to match their CR. Uh, they have the at will abilities of detect thoughts and levitate. All stands up uh, once per day. Each, they can cast Confusion, Dominate Monster, Eye Bite, Feeble Mind, Mass Suggestion, Plane Shift, Self Only, I Say With Disdain, Project, uh, project Image, Scrying, and Telekinesis. So we're going to get into this in our next episode, um, but I, I now hate this once per day each thing. Um, I think it's such hot shit, even though most of the spells are great, except for, Mm -hmm. you know, Dominate Monster or Project Image. Like, I can see an actual use for the rest of those spells. Um, This once per day each thing I now find is hot garbage. Uh, It Um, sounds to me like you are uh, maybe accidentally backtracking on your love for uh, Vancey and uh, Arcane Magic, because that's one of my least favorite things in the world. I absolutely despise... The, especially the Pathfinder arcane establishment of, of magic. I hate to plan each spell ahead. I hate, I hate that concept. Uh, no, I'm not. I have no disdain for advancing magic. I have a disdain for giving enemies the same abilities as PCs. Um, yes, and I think once is, per that day, is especially on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. And I think especially at once per day at a CR nine creature mm-hmm. is just such a hot shit like <laughs> why aren't they just now, at will like how many rounds right. is this fucking Ulurithrid yeah. gonna live that it just can't be at will like the, cast confusion the only, twice creatures like get out there the, o- the only argument I have against it is uh, against that, that idea is that uh, there was a difference between innate spellcasting and spellcasting right so this is specifically listed under innate spellcasting it's right up there with the ability, uh, the sort of racial abilities of a tiefling, you know, to be able to cast burning hands or some, or some such, right? That is innate uh, versus being a spell caster. Like Correct. this is not a spell caster, right? Well, uh, it is. Just so. have an, they have an innate spell-like ability. That that's it's maybe not worded appropriately, but that's that's where I view it, right? Because like, yeah. you, know, you do see creatures that have innate spellcasting and then spellcasting. They are totally separate abilities and separate lists. Right? I, they operate by different different rules. I agree completely. But in this particular instance, these are innate spellcasters. Like this is something that's baked into their blood. Mm-hmm. Like this is a CR nine creature with less than one hundred and fifty hit points, mm-hmm. less than you know eighteen AC. Right. This thing is going to go down, and it's going to go down fast. So I, I, mean, I, I get so, limiting so. the spells because the DC is very high. Yeah, but this thing isn't going to uh, last more see, than four or five rounds. It, it's le- I think it's less about the DC and more about uh, what level each spell is. Probably, so, yeah. For but example, again, this thing isn't going to last five rounds. Super high level spell. Maybe I don't have it here off the top of my head, but it, it's like level three or four. I can tell you yeah. right now, Feeble Mind is a level eight spell. 
for sure to, yeah and mass suggestion to, is you know, is like level six i think right you know project image is level five like i'm not saying that these aren't good spells Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, not suggesting what what, what what value in which like you know how many times per day do you see them being casted? How do you uh, balance that? Uh, you know, as opposed to you know, one day each does seem like sort of limiting on the servers. I'll give you that, but how? What would you change? I would just remove it? the once per day. And how many times could they cast it? Just like just at will, just fucking at will. All of like, these at will. They could just feeble mind at will. Eight eighth level spell at will all the time. Why not? How many rounds is a CR nine creature going to last against nine uh, four level nine PCs at one hundred twenty seven hit points? Like how hard are you hitting? I mean, it depends on what that spell is doing, though, doesn't it? I mean, I, I was guess I, I was actually going to look at this later, but we might as well just do it right now. The feeble mind spell. Let's look at it. It's the highest level spell on that list. Um, one action, uh, 150 feet, instantaneous. You blast the mind of a creature you can see within range, attempting to shatter its intellect and personality. You take Your target takes 46 psychic damage and must make an intelligence saving throw. On a failed save, the creature's intelligence and charisma score becomes one. The creature can't cast spells, activate magic items, understand language, or communicate in any intelligible way. The creature can, however, identify its friends, follow them, and even protect them. At the end of every 30 days, the creature can repeat its saving throw against this spell. If it succeeds on its saving throw, the spell ends. The spell okay. can also be ended by greater restoration, heal, or wish. You can't First of all, not. I love that spell. Um, that is the best spell we've ever <laughs> right. read. But you on cannot this. give it more than once per day. You can't. You cannot. No, you cannot you're, take that right there. and just give it that. Like you can't. Right. You're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you know, but it, it doesn't have to be. <laughs> okay, I, I'll, I'll correct my position. It doesn't have to be all five of these spells. Like right, confusion once per day is ridiculous. Like mm-hmm. you're dealing with a level nine party, and again, I understand the DC is seventeen, and that's pretty high. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like, are are these a beefcake? Like, are they a physical creature? Are they meant to mix it up in combat? They're not. See that that's so. What that's the, the fuck is the point? That's the mistake, right? Like, so where's the balance? We, are they a blaster? We, are they a controller? We came across this before. We came across this before when we're talking about my fires, and we're like, they felt like beefcakes, and they weren't. The Ulithers are also not. They yeah, just are and that's, more, they're larger, they're more imposing, but they're just more enhanced in the same way. So they right. have a larger selection of abilities and, of the same aptitude. And that's my issue, is that mm-hmm. based on the research that I've done in the monster manual for our next episode, spoilers, <laughs> it's a celestial, <laughs> uh, this, this shit is hot garbage because that creature is done <laughs> so fucking well. Right, and then to see this in Volo's Guide to Monsters, you know, mm-hmm. the second monster manual, to see it have this kind of gimp, where it's not—I know that's not politically correct, and I apologize for that—but I, I <laughs> honestly don't know what else to call it. This, um, yeah, uh, this handicap okay, isn't good either. But you know the, what, the, <laughs> you know what, James? Okay, we're we're gonna—I'm gonna push this forward. Yeah, uh, with with the warning that I uh, sorry, so the uh, uh, reflection that I warned you, the saplocks suck, 
and with no, the warning you know, that they're going to get worse. Yeah. You, okay, <laughs> okay, you're right. I'm really excited about all who, so I'm going to have some don't, shit to say. Don't but, be. You know, if you guys want to hear <laughs> my be. my feelings on innate spell casting psionics eulithrids, uh, uh, you can get at me in the Discord God. for a dollar a month on our Patreon. So, like, let's just push yeah, on to attacks. True you're story, absolutely true right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. No, like, here's what. Here, right, get ready. Get ready. Okay. okay. Here we go. Uh, next bit is the actual actions of the Illithrid. Uh, they have the exact same ones as the Mind Flare. Tentacles, uh, plus 9 to hit, 4d10, uh, plus 5 second damage, 10 foot reach. So this is a slight extension of reach, uh, higher chance to hit, higher, uh, slightly higher damage, uh, higher escape DC from the automatic grapple from the tentacles, higher uh, DC uh, intelligence save to be stunned by the grapple, um, but all of that is literally identical to the Mind Flare, just upped by the Yeah, but those ups are so good. They're plus two. Plus, it's basically plus two across the board. I can tell you that. 40, 10, DC yep. 17. It's big. It's like, big, stunned. Right? Like, that's huge. It's, that's it's really big, yeah. good. Yeah. And then uh, next one is Extract Brain. Literally the same thing. I shit you not. Yeah. Uh, same rules that we discussed. You have to go through a certain amount of motions to make sure you can actually have them grappled. Go for another actual roll to hit them and make sure you do the damage. Make sure that damage actually reduces them HP, uh, to zero HP, so on and so forth. Uh, but again, everything, you know, the, the pluses and, and, and damages uh, appropriately and it's, increase. It's worth noting CR. that the damage in this one is increased to a point where it's actually viable that the two, that the double ten, to hit ten roll D makes ten. sense. 10d10. Uh, piercing damage for the extract yeah. brain. It's so they'll take 4d10 plus 10d10. You know, yeah. that's a maximum total of uh, 145 oh. damage in two <laughs> rounds, yeah. Yeah. which it's is it's viable at ninth yeah. round. Like that, that feels yeah. plausible to me that they need to hit twice. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, and then they have the mind blast, which was the, which was the big bad boy for the mind flyers. You know, sixty foot cone, yeah. DC seventeen intelligence save, four uh, D twelve plus five psychic damage, stunned for one minute, uh, saving throw repeat at the end of target's round or turn. Sorry. Um, so I'm, I I even made a little list here. Like the the big differences between mind flyers and Yulithrids is that like it's medium. They're a medium to large creature. It's a plus seven to hit versus a plus nine. It's a DC fifteen instead of uh, up to a DC seventeen. It, they have more innate spells and they have higher bonuses to their own saves and skills. Like, but yeah. that's essentially it. Like, so that up from DC fifteen to DC seventeen. Mind flyer. Yeah, but that up from DC fifteen to DC seventeen makes that two increase in CR completely worth it to me. That is such a huge DC oh, yeah. increase that it's I, it, it can't I, be overlooked. I won't I won't say it's not great. It's not amazing, but it's like but it's like there's no almost no flavor. In fact, yeah. this creature is technically easier to hit. The the AC is absolutely the same and yeah. its size is larger. The only thing that it has uh, advantage-wise, other than actual roll numbers, is that its tentacles have now a ten-foot reach instead of instead of a, a five-foot. But uh, yeah, aside I mean, from that DC, I agree with you. I think it's it's kind of a weak creature. Um, I again, I don't think it's a weak a, creature. A, I think this will yeah. hurt a party of four CR nine <laughs> players. Well, it, it's uh, right in there with like you know we thought mind flares were really underwhelming, and as Eulithrids are like bang on. It was like oh this this resonates. Yeah. Mind flares were like. Eh, they need a little extra. Well, here's your, literally here's your extra. 
That's that's right. exactly it. Had they changed Mind Flayer's DC to 16 or they're to hit a plus 9, I would have changed my tune completely, but just right. you know, even tweaking those two numbers changes things so so much specifically in this case. Mm-hmm. Um because you've got two attacks that rely on each other. So I I'm I'm in. I, I like it. Right. But I mean, but but there's also not much more to discuss like at least for this no, episode. No. Like that's it. Like we we've gone through it. Here's the numbers. These numbers feel more uh, threatening, more deadly. That's for sure. Yeah, D seventeen is the big. same. Yeah, yeah, it's the same. Other than those at will uh, once per day each spells, especially if you mind. That's outrageous. If you yeah, mind is crazy. Uh, Mass suggestions also really good, but right. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, okay. But otherwise, well, this, they're more or less the same. Yeah. Speaking about spells, talk to me about the Alhoun because I am fucking psyched on this one. Okay. I'm I'm so terrified you're going to be so disappointed because I'm always disappointed. I'm not not enthused. I'm genuinely not enthused by these guys. Uh, I love their story. I love how they're created. And I have some loose homebrew ideas, but stat block wise, eh. Um, So CR 10, just one up from the Eulotherid. HP 120, a little bit less. Yep. Um, natural armor of 15. So you could slap something on them, make it a little beefier if you want. Uh, no, probably not. But I like that it's natural armor versus a breastplate because that gives you an immunity to spells like heat metal and shock and grasp. Or, yeah, right. Uh, and uh, Or rather like a less of a vulnerability. Yeah, uh, to, exactly. To, to, so. yeah, yeah, you're not targeted by things like even shatter or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly mm. that. Sure. Of course, we're back down to a medium creature. These, of course, are... Uh, not Eulithrids, uh, they're regular mind flayers that became arcanists. Uh, they are undead as a category. Awesome. And uh, same thing, deep speech, under common, telepathy, 120 feet. They do have DR to cold lightning and necrotic. That's pretty standard for undead, I think. Yeah, and uh, something about that, I like that. I feel like maybe we just don't explore undead that much, but I love that. Uh, just like, you just sometimes don't expect cold lightning and narcotic. Uh, uh, cold and necrotic. necrotic for sure are almost all <laughs> it's undead, a narcotic <laughs> yeah I might have yeah <laughs> um, they have straight up damage immunity to poison and uh, bludgeoning piercing and slashing non-magical it's oh, well there's your CR 10 right there Jesus fucking Christ so that that's the big one that's the not kicker. impressed like if you don't have a, a fucking magical weapon <laughs> God damn, you do nothing to this guy. Well, I mean, it's uh, so at, pretty at brutal. Level 10, you should have at least one magical would, item per character. You would think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you don't, fuck me. I know people yeah. think that, I'm, I'm going to say it again, and I've said it before, and I know people hate it, but 5e is a high magic game. <laughs> and I know oh, fucking so people, I, know, this, oh, yeah. I get so much shit for it, you know, <laughs> off screen, but like, I really, truly believe that it's a high magical item game. I, 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 I maintain the stance that it's as level of magic as you decide based on what enemies you want to use. Um, yeah. Or that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, okay. in, gen- in general, I think, I think as a general consensus, I think you're correct. I think it is high magic. If you don't have a magical weapon, by the time you're level, I'm going to say five. four or five. Yeah, yeah. easy. Uh, then there's something wrong. Uh, One per and, party but, at level three. But also, but also, also, you know, uh, what you consider to be magical as a weapon, I think is up for debate. Anything with you know? a plus one bonus. Yeah. Um, 
Well, no, almost literally anything that's not just stated as a as a weapon is considered magical, right? And, yeah, and that, or silver. I find that a little bit annoying. Silvered or adamantine aren't magical either. Right. Yeah, I, um, but, I get it. Yeah. Anything with a plus bonus to its attack roll is technically magical. Mm-hmm. That, that that's your easy. Which baseline. is why I loved there. There is a I've, I mentioned before. There's a the Armorer's Handbook. It's a it is a third party uh, PDF that a friend of mine uh, sent my way, and uh, it's actually really cool. It allows you to add separately a plus one to your uh, chance to hit your plus and a plus one to your attack at a, a gold cost by you know searching out. A blacksmith that can do such things, such as sharpening yeah. your blade to a finer edge, and it doesn't make it magical, but it does increase your your pos- uh, your possibility of doing damage or, or hitting. And uh, I love that idea because it, it decreases uh, the magic level of your world to a certain well, degree. That was mechanically viable in previous editions. So, like the right. term masterwork is a plus one to hit, right. but it's not right. a magical weapon. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know 100%. that's still big. It's like a better balanced weapon kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love exactly. that. I love that. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so uh, the Alhoon. Um, do they have uh, the same undead condition immunities? Yeah. Charmed, exhaustion, frightened, paralyzed, and poisoned. So, yes. Okay. Straight Your up. Standard um, board. Yeah. And the uh, they also have true sight 120 feet. There's your CR 10. Jesus Christ. You cannot. Sneak up on this creature. <laughs> Aside from being able to see in every direction, which they cannot necessarily do, that you can't hide in, in their plain view. It, that's I want to do a Patreon exclusive episode yeah. where I just bitch about the rogue at higher level play for an hour. Because <laughs> it's so bullshit, isn't it? Everyone I want I want it so bad to be viable dem- at higher level, but it's just it doesn't seem to be. Demonstrably, the ranger is the worst class in five E. Um, one hundred percent. Ranger, hundred percent. It is. Its first few that. skills are utterly useless in most campaigns, including the pre-written modules. Stalkers, and then we'll go from there because oh, I've well, done I, a I, higher I, level game yeah. where half of my players were Gloomstalkers. Yeah, I was one of them, <laughs> and they fuck shit up, and that's a ranger. No, but but compared to every other class, uh, a ranger is actually at its core the worst. Okay. So if you get us to $400 a month, patrons, we will have a (laughs) Patreon-exclusive series, uh, probably three or four-part series, where we debate whether or not Ranger or Rogue is the worst class in 5e. Oh, man. That would actually be really fun. That would be really fun. That would be so much fun. (laughs) Okay, abilities. Talk to me about abilities. I'm sure they've got the usual magical resistance. Magical resistance. Literally, magical resistance. The usual. Okay. Um, if yeah, you guys don't remember that is, go listen to the last one. Um, or the previous uh, stat block. <laughs> previous stat block. Uh, they, of course, have innate spellcasting uh, based on psionics. Spell save DC is 16. Intellect a modifier as uh, a standard, as a plus four in this case. Um, they have uh, detect thoughts and levitate at will, which is right up there. Whatever. Uh, they have uh, dominate monster once per day and plane shift self only, roll eyes. Um, doesn't say each, so it's you know one or the other. Okay. Uh, yeah, spell, no, I'm fine. Here's with that. where spell casting instead of innate spell casting comes in. Uh, they are considered a twelfth level spell caster. Uh, okay. And so DC sixteen plus eight. To Why hit. is it lower? Why is their DC lower? Is it lower? Oh, it's lower than like the Ulithrid. The Ulithrid. 
Yeah. Uh, oh, I think it's okay. I bet it's because it, it's ref- yeah, and it's probably in the fact that arcane is harder to learn than their innate psionic spellcasting. So it's one hundred percent. It's reflected why. in that. Okay, I Guaranteed. you know as, as much as I hate that their DC is sixteen. I, I really appreciate that they lowered the DC to reflect I can tell you right now, Yolithrid's intelligence score is 21. Yeah. Which gives him okay. a plus 5. And the Alhoun is a 19, which gives him a plus 4. Okay. I, I like that it's reflected because it's actually harder for them to learn. I like that that's mm. written in the lore, and then technically that's mechanically reflected here, but I still hate that it's okay. a 16 and not a 17. Yeah. I want that on record. <laughs> it's on record. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, of all their of all their cantrips and spells, I'm just going to list off the ones that that make the most sense. Um, cantrips are just like so straightforward. Uh, the uh, I mean, they have magic missile and shield. I think those are the ones that stand out to me. Um, uh, I love the idea of like because uh, they, they they go up to six level spells. So okay. I, I love the idea of like opening with a magic mes- missile at, at six level just to fuck up the party and like s- scare them. Um, also, they only have four slots for first level, so I would likely spend almost all of those on shield, uh, at, which is a reaction plus five to AC spell. Um, yeah, that feels right. And I would do also do that to scare the shit out of the party because every time they get hit, they're just like shield, shield, shield for the first four attacks they'd be like fuck you know <laughs> um <laughs> and uh oh, no, sorry not first four but first four rounds um but of course they have invisibilities mirror image scorching ray counter spell uh i think uh, ones that stand out are um something we have not covered before is evard's black tentacles uh as a fourth level spell which they have three slots for yeah uh, i'm not a- particularly familiar with that spell so it is a concentration spell up to one minute, uh, range of 90 feet. Uh, and I'll read the description to you now. It is uh, basically squirming ebony tentacles fill a 20-foot square on the ground that you can see within range. For the duration, these tentacles turn the ground into an area uh, that is difficult to rain. When a creature enters the affected area for the first time, uh, on a turn or start just turn there, which is pretty standard. It take it must make a dexterity saving throw or take three d six bludgeoning, uh, and be restrained by the tentacles. A All creature right, that starts so turn in the area is already restrained uh, by the tentacles and takes three d six bludgeoning damage. A creature restrained by the tentacles can use an action to make a strength or dexterity uh, check. It's choice. Uh, against the spell safety, um, and when it succeeds, it frees itself. So no, nothing outrageous, but but newish you know to our podcast. That's a pretty huge controller it's spell, good. though. Tw- twenty foot, twenty foot radius. That's a that's pretty solid. That's twenty foot square. Twenty foot direction. Square. So no, uh, sorry, no. Oh, 20, twenty foot square. square. Twenty foot square. Uh, yeah, um, that's nothing to shake a stick at. Especially if you get three of those, just cast them in a wall. Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, could, could could do the trick. Could do the trick. Um, yeah, the other ones sure. that, that pop out are we uh, fifth level. They can do two slots. So they have wall of force, which we know is a uh, was a, a lair action for the elder brain. Love wall um, of force. Yeah, and then there's also modify memory, which I don't can think we've you, talked about before. No, can you tell me about modify memory? Yeah, I mean it's got it's got quite the description. But basically, you attempt to reshape another creature's memories. Uh, one creature that you can see must make a wisdom saving throw. If you are fighting the creature, it has advantage. On a failed save, the target becomes charmed by you for the duration, which is up to one minute again. 
the charm target is incapacitated and unaware of its surroundings, though it can still hear you. If it takes any damage or it is targeted by another spell, the spell ends. Uh, okay. And none of the memories are modified. While the charm lasts, however, you can affect the target's memories of an event that it experienced within the last 24 hours. And that lasted no more than 10 minutes. You can permanently eliminate all memory of the event, allow the target to recall the event with perfect clarity and exacting detail, change its memory of the details of the event, or create a memory of some other event. You must speak to the target to, to describe how its memories are affected, and it must be able to understand your language for the modified memories to take root. It mind, its mind fills in any gaps in the details of your description. If the spell ends before you have finished describing the modified memories, the, creature memory, the creature's memory isn't altered. Otherwise, the modified memories have ho take hold when the spell ends. A modified memory doesn't necessarily affect how a creature behaves, particularly if the memory contradicts the creature's natural inclinations, alignment, or beliefs. Right. An illogical modified memory, such as implanting a memory of how much the creature enjoyed dousing itself in acid, is dismissed, perhaps as a bad dream. The DM might deem modified memory too nonsensical to affect a creature in a significant manner. A remove curse or greater restoration spell cast on the target restores the creature's true memory. This can actually be uh, cast at higher levels as well, uh, increasing um, the uh, sort of area of, of days that it, that it took place. So it's up to 30 days. You could increase it uh, uh, 7, 30 days, one year ago, or any time in the creature's pass at ninth level. Okay, so I really like that spell for a hot second, and now I just don't think it's worthwhile for this creature to cast at all. <laughs> uh, it is on a, I mean, of course, mechanics, we're always focusing on on um, uh, combat, right? So well, sometimes I mean, these First of all, how are... many creatures are, how many players do you personally, sorry, how many players have you personally run that have taken undercommon or deep speech as a language? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like, but I mean, but also, like, if 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 uh, if that's your caveat, that it's like you know, sort of, you you do have a certain obligation to be like, we are doing a, a campaign that is going to involve the Underdark. So these are things that then you know, up to you, but it's up to you. Uh, you should consider taking as a character. Oh, I, I'm I not think, disagreeing. As a player, I always take under common when it's available to me. <laughs> Always. Every character I've ever played has spoken under common. I, I can assure you that. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, as a GM, do not run a single player who speaks under common. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, this spell is completely useless. Right. I mean, it is for the Alhoun, specifically. Yeah, sorry. For the Alhoun, sorry, specifically, yeah, yeah. It, it's useless because they only speak yeah. deep speech and under common. So, I, I yeah. cannot affect player because it doesn't share language with any of the players right what i mean um, so like it's not it's not useless so much as it is an advantage of the players they cannot be affected by it doesn't make the elhoon less weak just means that the players lack of knowledge and ability which will 100 100% affect their ability to go up against any amount of elithids uh has suddenly saved them against something extraordinarily uh, brutal 
right? Yeah. So their, I, their, I, their ignorance has actually saved them, even though it, uh, if they weren't so ignorant, uh, they would have advantage. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do, for sure. It's just hard to want to cast something like that when I can cast Confusion at a fifth level for the same well, price. Right. Right. And, um, uh, you know, the question is, uh, too, like, does the Elhun uh, know already in advance that they shouldn't cast it? Yep. You know? They have telepathy. They, they would. have telepathy. They have sure they thoughts. Would. You know, they have the ability to determine whether or not they should use that or not. I yeah, would, they, I would, would they would 100% know ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of the many, many reasons that I get my players' languages before <laughs> uh, the game even oh, starts. I just had the biggest deja vu. <laughs> <laughs> You've definitely said something very close to that before. <laughs> oh, for sure. I'm, I'm 100% on board yeah, with getting... This is why I get these You get your players' first. saves, <laughs> you get your player max HP, and you get your yeah. players' languages. 100%. Um, um, okay, so you said there spell- were... Sorry, go ahead. So you said they cast up to six level spells. What do they have for six level? So they have one slot for Disintegrate or, and this spell I had not heard of before, called Globe of Invulnerability. Why would you cast anything else? Yeah. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> I'm back in. So I'm going to go back. I, 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 should, I should make note that I'm reading like word for word. Uh, I, they're from, it's from an, a spell book app, but I can only assume they're copy and pasted from the from the, uh, the actual manuals for 5e. So I am going basically word for word here. Um, so this is from the player's handbook, oddly enough. I can't believe I've never heard of this spell. Um, it is a one action on self, 10 foot radius, concentration up to one minute. Uh, an immobile, faintly shimmering barrier springs into existence in a 10-foot radius around you and remains for the duration. Any spell of 5th level or lower cast from outside the barrier can't affect creatures or objects within it, even if the spell is cast using a higher level spell slot. That's outrageous. <laughs> Such yeah. a spell can target creatures and objects within the barrier, but the spell has no effect on them. Similarly... The area within the barrier is excluded from the areas affected by such spells. When you cast a spell using a spell slot of 7th or higher, the barrier blocks spells of one level higher for each slot, each slot level above 6th. So, like, even if you cast Magic Missile at 7th level, Magic Missile is a 1st level spell, therefore this thing blocks it. It doesn't matter what spell slot you use. That's yep. so powerful. That's outrageous. That's what I mean. Why would you cast anything else? Um, Why would so you the reason I know about this is because uh, last week when I made my backup character for our upcoming Pathfinder 2E game, hmm. I made an Abjurist, and this is an Abjuration spell from 5E oh. that's kind of relegated into 2nd yeah. edition a little bit. Oh. So cool. It's so cool. I absolutely adore that spell. I think it's absolutely wonderful. It's, uh, that's, it's such a cool concept. Uh, and it's pow- that is properly powerful. And it, yeah. I mean, it lasts a full minute concentration. So when you're at range, like, I mean, it, it is magic specific. But man, again, like you can really rock the world of your players and like shake their confidence. Man, um, just by, pop that up and having start that shielding first. his reactions. Right. And you're, you're in it for at least five rounds. Right. You just maintain that shield, shield against any arrows, any thrown axes or whatever it is. And like, we can't kill this thing. We better run. <laughs> you can really, really fuck with somebody's mind. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. Uh, the, uh, the, only, the next thing I have for abilities is that uh, 
they have, and this is the first time we've definitely come across this. It's called turn resistance. Okay, I'm um, very familiar with this. Yeah. Uh, that I'm not surprised, but it's the first time we've <laughs> talked about it. And basically, advantage on saves versus anything that turns undead. Um, yeah, and we've actually sure covered very little undead that. for my pension for them. <laughs> uh, right, yeah. Uh, we talked about this when we talked about uh, Banshees and White and how I've like literally used none, ever. Uh, right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, turn resistance. There you go. Advantage against things that, that turn undead, such as the uh, Paladin or Cleric turn undead uh, abilities. Um, but uh, it's very straightforward. But um, it, as far as I'm concerned, way more interesting than magic resistance. Yeah, I like that it's advantage and not straight up immunity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> there are some creatures that are just straight up immune to this ability. Can't turn me. Too smart. Yeah, yeah exactly. All right, so we'll, uh, we'll talk now about yield attacks, actions. Yeah, yeah, let's see how these Alhoon. things compare to the Eulithorids. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so I can tell you right now, uh, a slight peek back uh, for their characters that will, they can do Chill Touch and Shucking Grasp. And yeah, actions, Chill Touch is a great cantrip. Chilling Grasp. Oh. And it is a... <laughs> This weird, like innate, automatic uh, do both thing, uh, except with none of the none of the fanciness. Um, it's a melee spell attack plus eight to hit three d six cold damage. That's it. I mean, so which it counts as magical, which is interesting. Kind of why they would double it up as chill touch? But yeah, um, yep, sure, yeah, I'll take it. That's it. That's that's, that's not bad. That's their one attack. Uh, I mean, for a spellcaster, <laughs> that ain't bad. Yeah. Uh, I've, they do have Mind Blast, uh, which is the usual recharge 5-6, which I, I didn't uh, mention earlier for the Lothar but s- same deal, Mind Blast, recharge 5-6. And 6 with a cone, DC 16, so uh, down from the 17 from the Illithrid, yeah. uh, 48 plus 4 Psychic, stun for one minute, repeating the saving throw at the end of the turn. Same damage on so that's forth. also down by two dices. Or yeah. <laughs> yep. The damage uh, on that so is also down by two die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, well, I just got, I just got how you flubbed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can keep that all in. I don't give a shit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, for sure. Like it's just uh, a, a gr- uh, on the um, attacking uh, side of things. That's literally all they have. I mean, the mind blast is powerful, regardless of which creature we're talking about. That is. It's insane. Six of a cone. Um, I think it was the, the elder brain had just a, a crazy radius. It didn't matter uh, cone wise, but um, yeah. Uh, between the Alhoon, the yellow thread, and the my flare, it's literally the same. Just like change DC and damage based on the CR. Uh, otherwise, uh, operates the same. Um, I but, just yeah, don't this, like that is, everything is down on this. So the DC is down from the yellow and the damage die is down by two steps. Yeah, on the everything is down because it has way more spell casting options, and I mean way more. Like we kind of didn't say it, but like first level four slots, second level three, 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 four, three, five, two, six, one. Like yeah, they have a lot of spells to cast. Yeah, I'm not I'm not disagreeing yeah. with that, but a spell is still only something you can do once per round. Right. Yeah. So it is a it is a weird thing, and like. That's it. That's literally all they have for yeah. Alhoon. Um, I find them, other than their resistances, like their immunities and their DR, and I find them so boring. 
so Trusite, very bro. boring. Trusite. And and Trusite, I mean, Trusite's huge, but that's that's more or less about like you know, am I casting invisibility? Am I sneaking up on it? Like, I mean, that's party makeup. That's not that's not that powerful. It's powerful, but it's not game breaking, right? It's not guaranteeing well, we don't want anything, right? And uh, it. Um, so I actually have made a couple of bullet points here. You'll see um, okay. that. Uh, so when I was reading the stat block, I was like, oh, I, I feel like it's lacking something. Why on earth is doesn't it have a wiser? Why is it mind blast? But it doesn't have um, the other trademark mind flare things. Like just kind of that would give it a little extra edge. I would I thought, and so it's a lack of ability to like use its tentacles and grapple and then extract the brain. I think, I believe, is justified by its withering body. Now, the only reason I think this might be the case is because I read the sidebar of the variant um, actual illithid lich. The Get ready for it. Illithilich. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to love that name, but I don't. I think I, think I said it in the previous, one of the previous episodes, but, yeah, but there it is. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it's 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 a bit painful. Um, but yeah, the um, uh, it specifically describes the actual sidebar specifically says that the strength in the muscular aspect of the body is restored and maintained by the souls fed to the phylactery. Where uh, because Alhuns don't have a phylactery, they have the periapt and they operate differently. Um, they don't have such a such a uh, a quality of life, if you will, right. or the privilege. Um, so those things are specifically left out. Uh, okay. They do not have the tentacle attacks. They do not have the extract brain ability because they do not have the physical prowess to do it, based on their their dedication and their shortcut to undeath. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, I, I it does get... make sense, but it also makes me like not like. Uh, the Alhoun stat block. I find it very boring. Right. And I guess I find so. it as boring as, like, actually the Kieran, like, where everything is just spells and slots. Yeah. And, like, the lore is cool and everything builds up to this awesome idea, but then you're like, eh, not into it. Again, listeners, I think we're going to change your mind in two weeks. Um, <laughs> I, I cannot believe I'm saying this, but I might be a convert based on the next creature to give it oh. PC spells to monsters. I'm so excited for that. Um, it's so <laughs> fucking awesome. good. It's so good. So tune in for two weeks for that. It's a celestial. It has spell casting abilities. If you can guess what it is on Twitter, uh, at EncounterPod, I will mail you a set of dice. I love it. Yeah, and he will. He'll do it. Yeah, for sure. Don't, yeah, yeah. So you, uh, this, yeah, not this drops... He'll do it. Uh, what, what what date does this drop? Um, so this will drop September twenty fourth. <laughs> That's the one. So you will have up until October seventh to guess what our creature is for October eighth. It is a celestial and it has spell slots. So hit us up on Twitter at EncounterPod if you can guess what creature it is. You will get a DM and I will ship you a set of dice. Amazing. Yeah. There you go. Um, so I mean, so. Uh, I actually, when I first planned this episode, uh, and actually, I, I was doing the finish, finishing touches on it today, and I was like, uh, I'll, uh, 
I'm gonna add. The, I'm gonna finally do this one spot, and then I looked at it, and I actually decided not to do it. I had like one thing to do, and I decided not to do it, and that was to actually <laughs> cover, cover the Alithilich. Okay. Uh, because it's a variant stat block right next to the Alhoon, and I decided not to do it because it actually properly uh, ha- shares a stat block with a Lich, just oh, with variants. And I, the more I looked at it, um, is that's where I actually learned that, oh, look, the Alhoon doesn't have... I've, I noticed the Alhoon didn't have these things, and then I noticed the Alithlich does. It has the extract brain, it has the tentacle attacks, and it specifies that it's because of uh, the phylactery uh, feeding the body. And um, I just thought, this doesn't apply to what we're doing. It just doesn't. It, it applies more to the Lich side of things than the Alithid side of things. So I left it out. And so I should the Lich I be our first ever combo episode where <laughs> I do the Lich and you do the Alithilich? <laughs> I think that would be... No, no, so I, it, because the Alithilich is not enough to do its own episode at all. That's what I mean, it, like, a, like a two for one. So I, I go through the Lich and then after you go through the Alithilich? Uh, sure, I, maybe. I mean, this when has been your it? sweet start to finish, but... No, because I, I don't think we'll do it. I, I think we'll end up doing Lich and Demi-Lich together, and then I think the Alith-Lich will be a sidebar, okay. uh, just like it is in the books. So, right, maybe uh, with Death it, Locks it's and It's interesting stuff. enough, but it's, it's, not, it's not a standalone at all. It's, right. not, a, it's not enough. Um, so what I did do, though, is, uh, uh, if you're down, um, we're, we are running very long, but... <laughs> I am uh, here. <laughs> this may be a two-parter. I did the. Uh, I did we the, only yeah. so long. I did the stat block for a neothalid. The the very much maligned pronunciation of the ne- the uh, neothalid, um, which is in Volo's guide. It's a very simple creature, uh, but it, if you recall, it is uh, what happens over a long period of time when one of the tadpoles from the elder brain brine pool uh is left too long without uh an elder brain and it turns right. slowly turns into a purple worm sized creature that has psionic abilities and and levitation <laughs> okay i'm i'm into it i just wanted i do want to confirm that we're set on the pronunciation neothalid i i mean i am <laughs> okay. i mean it's either neothalid or neothalid or neo neothalid or i mean how would you do it neothalid i hate that yeah i mean it's not good but neither is cyclopes but we did that for a whole fucking episode <laughs> I'm calling it Neothalid. It feels okay. right in and bones. For the record, <laughs> I have been justified. Jason Weiser from Missing Legends pronounces it Cyclopes. So we're good. Uh, yeah. We're right. on. So. He, he is a real publication. We're good. <laughs> He's a r- real life one. Yeah. Um. All right. So take me through uh, Neothalid. We've, we've got right. some time here. Okay, we're we're gonna go we're gonna go quick on this one. Uh, it's CR thirteen, so it's even higher. Uh, Love it. HP three twenty five. I think it might Holy be the highest shit. you've seen. That yeah. is huge. Love Massive. it. Yeah. AC sixteen natural armor, so easy to hit. It's it is a so gargantuan high. creature. So also Mega the largest points. creature we've covered, I think. Um, uh, I actually uh, uh, yes, literally yesterday, uh, as of this recording, I captured my first gargantuan creature in game which was a rock. Um, but we were also on the back of a huge flying creature as well as an even larger uh, airship. So it wasn't as daunting. <laughs> I don't want to say that that's untrue, but I think it might be untrue. Oh, really? What else yeah. did you face? 
I need to confirm. I, I don't want to. I don't want to go on records to con, to confirm. But I I think you may have faced a gargantuan creature in my game. What 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 creature? Uh, I don't remember what it was. Okay, that's why you don't want to go on record. <laughs> that's why I don't want to go on record. But I know okay. where my notes are for it, and yeah. I know what session it was. So okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, this thing can't. Uh, it is an aberration. Uh, I just remember dropping it, the pawn base and like telling you guys that that wasn't big enough. Because <laughs> I only have huge bases. That uh, that I actually do recall that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but this thing is uh, is an aberration. Uh, no languages. No dr. No uh, uh, immunities. Excuse me of any kind. This creature has probably the the most starkly different variants of ability scores that we've covered, where the the strength is 27 at (coughs) plus 8. 27? (laughs) Yep. Uh, It's dex. Jesus, that's so high. It's 7. At a minus two. <laughs> oh my god! Um, uh, Constitution's at twenty one. At a plus five. In- intellect uh, at a three. At a minus four. Uh, wisdom sixteen plus three. And charisma twelve plus one. I love that. It's charisma is actually decent. Um. <laughs> These are the sandworms from Doom. These have nothing to do with mind force. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, they. Um, <sighs> Uh, for the saves, they have uh, uh, a plus eight to the wisdom saves and plus six to charisma saves. They actually have a plus one to intelligence saves as well, despite their extraordinarily low intelligence. Um, I still can't get over that strength. 27, <laughs> 27 is so high. 27. Uh, blind sight, 120 feet. Uh, they, okay. they have the exact same creature sense as the Litharid, uh, except it's only one mile instead of two. Yeah, hand wash it. Yeah, and uh, what, this is one of my favorite things is that they have, um, uh, they do have levitate at will. They're a gargantuan worm <laughs> that can levitate at will. And like, what I love about levitate, what I love about levitate is that you can't levitate above like twenty feet. <laughs> so, giant worm so, gently giant. hovering in the air, threateningly. Like, so gently, so fragile. It's oh. so good. Uh, and then here's your one one per day. It's not each, but it is one per day. Confusion, uh, feeble mind, and telekinesis. Uh, and they're all pretty good. Yeah, and then magic or magic resistance as well. Um, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And uh, here's where we'll cover something we haven't haven't done yet because we haven't gone over a gargantuan creature, and I think you know where yeah. this is going. But it's tentacles. It's got tentacles. It's got a couple of tentacles on them. It doesn't have a bite attack, but uh, but it's a uh, plus thirteen to hit. It's a fifteen foot reach. Um, three. All right, D- that makes sense. Yeah, three d eight plus eight psychic. Um, and if yeah. the if the tar- target is uh, large or smaller. It's a DC 18 strength save or be swallowed. Wow. Not a grapple. That is huge. It's a swallow. And here's where we cover. Well, even that save is only 20% chance. <laughs> yeah, it's uh oof. Sorry, yeah. 10% chance I mean, with, based on a without, flat without D20 say, roll. Without uh, bonuses, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's straight up. Um, That's incredible. And so uh, when a creature is swallowed, they are blinded and restrained and have total cover against any attack or effect originating outside of the, of the Neothlid, of course. Um, Makes sense. At the start of the Neothlid's turn, they take 10d6 acid damage. 
Yeah. If the, fine. if the Neophilus takes 30 damage or more in a single turn uh, from a creature inside of it, it has to make a DC 18 con save or regurgitate all swallowed creatures. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's I like a, that a lot. <laughs> it's a bit it's a bit of an ulcer, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, as somebody who's had an ulcer, like I get it. I totally get it. Bad news bears. Um all regurgitated creatures <laughs> fall prone in a space within ten feet of the Neothelid, and if the Neothelid dies the swallowed creatures are no longer restrained and may escape by moving through the corpse at a rate of 20 feet per turn, uh, exiting prone. <laughs> Just I don't love that. Death crawl. <laughs> yeah, I don't love that. I think it should be disadvantage. Disadvantage or, or what? Um, difficult, difficult terrain. Difficult sorry. terrain. Yeah, that yeah. was actually, uh, that did stand out. It, it is odd that it's like, 20 feet per turn only. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that being yeah. said, it's like, that's better than different terrain for most creatures. 10d6 per turn still, yeah. And it's also, like, standard uh, standard distance for, uh, say, a dwarf. Like, they, they run at 20 or 25, right? So. Yeah. But, I mean, difficult It's actually better than difficult you're terrain. You're fucking crawling through. <laughs> that, that's what I mean. Is like, right. I think it's, it should be difficult it's terrain. It's almost too good, yeah. Like, you should be crawling through it and taking 10d6 <laughs> per turn until yeah. somebody cuts you out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, it also has um, it also has a uh, acid breath, which is a recharge five six, just like the mind blast sixty foot cone, mm. same uh, DC eighteen dex save or take ten d six acid, which is the same as the stomach uh, damage. That's all right. Success for half damage. Yeah, that's it. But that's it. A, a very very simple, straightforward creature. We we, we talked uh, about its uh, its lore uh, previously. I just thought I'd throw that in there since I was skipping over the uh, Alith Lich. Um, yeah, I mean, I like it. I like it. I think that'd be a fun creature to run. Yeah. Um, 18 is a huge strength save. Oh, yeah. Like, it's 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 not no slouch. And uh, you're, it's a CR 13 creature, right? So, like, by that point, yeah. you're, you are, you are uh, if you're facing a gargantuan creature, I mean, it's still going to be daunting, but uh, but you should have what it takes, hopefully. Well, I mean, as somebody who's only played 5e twice, like, <laughs> I've only made, you know, uh, uh, that that's an over-exaggeration, listeners. I think I've played it four times now. Um, <laughs> out of those four characters that I built, only one of them has been strength-based. Right. So, that's, that's uh, sorry, sorry, to be clear, what he means played, he means... Like been a player, not a DM. As a player, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Been um, DMing for almost five years straight, yeah. <laughs> Which isn't a long time, yeah. you know, all things considered. But, I'm certainly not qualified to host this show, <laughs> but uh, it's fun. Um, <sighs> but yeah, it's a it's a hell of a thing. Um, so I mean, that's it. Like that, that's more or less all I have on this this final part. Uh, I feel like it's a little bit less themed than the previous, but they were still they're still essential creatures to the sort of uh, mythos of uh, lithids and where they sit like in it. a colony and that sort of thing. I, and I, I, yeah, I like it too. I think it's really fun. I, they, they fit that tentacle theme. Yeah. Homebrew-wise, I think the only thing I would, I would really change is um, I think I would I'd be, I would explore a Yulithrid becoming an Alhoon because I thought both stat blocks are boring. So I, I want to combine them. I just want to combine them. I think I, and okay. create something a little more powerful. 
I like the idea of that because the Alhoun is built that that stat block is built on the idea that it's not a Yelithrid because the Yelithrid's goal is right. to actually um, become a new Elder Brain, where an Alhoun's is so very different. And uh, but there's no reason why a Yelithrid wouldn't necessarily uh, find themselves in in that scenario where they would want to become uh, an Alhoun that's uh, they don't necessarily want to become an Elder Brain and they don't necessarily want to be under the influence of one. And I I like that idea of them becoming. Uh, an arc, an archivist of some kind, and um, I'm intrigued by the idea, and I would like to see you play it out because those are two diametrically opposed viewpoints right. in my view. Yeah, because they're the and the illithid thing is immortality, and Alhoun is one way to get there, but an illithid is a certainty in getting there. And I'll tell you exactly why my brain has gone that direction. Um, and uh, in fact, it, it happened very quickly last minute, um, just before we recorded this. You were running 15 minutes late. And yeah. I, in that 50 minutes, I came across something I didn't realize was there in the history of Alhoun's. And specifically, uh, and this is related to the history of Faerun, and uh, in a nation called Netheril, uh, which was very magic-centric, there was a uh, sorcerer king. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how to say his name exactly. And this is not in the notes. It's, it's uh, uh, Yolaum or Yulaum. It's I-O-U-L-A-U-M. Um, extraordinarily powerful wizard uh, who uh, invented a lot of things, including, I think I think it's like floating cities. Uh, he had a thing called uh, Mythala, which was like a, a 150-foot diameter, like crystal uh, sort of ball that allowed access to magic. And he had this famous spell called uh, Yolam's Longevity. Uh, where he could extend his own life, which is very reflective of what Alhuns could do. And the belief is that Alhuns uh, actually learned this from him. And what I do, what I didn't do much research because, again, I, I, I came across it last minute. But what I do know is that uh, basically in Netheril, uh, they were uh, in danger of being destroyed by a, a creature called the Ferim. Uh, it's a P H A E R I double M. They're like magic. They're also called as magic grubs and thornbacks. And they were highly intelligent aberrations uh, that could actually um, uh, cast so much power uh, without incantations or components. They did it innately no matter what. But the only caveat was it actually sucked the moisture from the area. So that famous uh, desert that we talked about before, the Anarok Desert, was yeah. formed by them. And their ability to like suck life was so powerful that this wizard, this uh, Yolaum or whatever, um, was at risk. So he sought Lichdom and to survive and as a result he ended up taking in a circle or a group of uh mind flares who uh, theoretically were also at risk uh of falling uh, victim to this this group of aberrations and taught them the way of lichdom which is how again theoretically alhuns were created uh th that was the first nine and um uh in the end, what I can tell you, again, without doing the research, what I can tell you is that this wizard ended up creating an undead elder brain, which he then f 
infuse his own uh, mind to and became an elder brain lich. Okay, so I'm going to be <laughs> straight with you. I don't own many books of um, previous editions. Yeah. But the 3.5 book Lost Empires of Faerun is mm-hmm. one of the books that I do own. Okay. And that is the book that this is described oh. in this process of him becoming this undead elder brain lich. How, um, how cool is that? It's incredible. Um, we'll link it in the show notes yeah. uh, for sure because it's such a cool book. Um, but that idea and that concept is absolutely incredible. Right. Uh, there wasn't much, uh, again, I didn't like go deep, but like I, I skimmed through it and there, there wasn't much to go on, like to, to n- annotate, like other than that. Uh, but what a cool idea. What a cool, cool idea. And it was, and it was one of those ones, uh, one of those very rare ones where it was like, it's not that it, it might have happened this way or we're not sure. It was like, this is what happened. You know? Yeah. He did that. And this and it was is like, uh, That's and- so cool. Yeah, and again, the book is The Lost Empires of Faerun from mm. 3.5. It's incredible. So awesome. Um, uh, but, I mean, other than that addition of, um, of lore uh, that sprung upon me, um, uh, the only other thing I, I would explore is like, I kind of love the idea of an Alhoon being part of a hag coven because we know that hags uh, may or may not once in a while introduce someone else that's uh, a uh, a high arcane sort of power user or spellcaster into their covens when it sees uh, when it when it works for them and i got the vibe from alhoon's um that's a bit similar you know The, the idea is to like do what's most convenient now and uh, extend your your power and uh, longevity and and work towards gaining more so i love an alhoon to be a part of a head coven i love that too that's fantastic what a reveal and like i mean there's your eventual combine those two things like come up with a hag uh timeline or or adventure campaign and and an alhoon one or mind flare or lithid one and then just mix mash them together if you can yeah absolutely it's interesting to me that we find ourselves on the the same the the opposite sides of the same argument again uh as much as you love the idea of alhoons being part of a coven i really find myself enthralled by the idea that they are transmuters in search of something like the philosopher's stone (laughs) okay so these alhoons are discovering this arcane magic and they're following this this transmutation magic to the ultimate end road for them, which is immortality. Right. And, you know, one gets fucked along the way. And as I said earlier, I want to see an Alhu Nothic so bad. <laughs> uh, that would be, uh, what, what a mix that would be. Yeah. yeah. I, I love the, uh, I, that, that, I guess that, that, that does make me, that does, I do find myself inspired with that idea in that the Illithids have such a elaborate colony concept, you know, in that uh, the Arcanists and the Elhoons would not necessarily lose that concept, but find a more independent approach. So it makes you want to explore other creatures that they would dominate and how they would use them, uh, much more so than how a Lich would do it, you know? Like, they would right. have 
uh, Alich would solely do it for uh, their own power, whereas an Alhoun or even an Alithalich, I mean, they do it for the same reason, but but more innately, more based on their foundation, what what they've always known. They've gone up, right. they go like they go up against. Uh, what is part of their core? You know, like we said in the lore, uh, they struggle with the idea of lichdom. It's what it's what they feel like they need to achieve, and so they found their shortcut. Uh, but they are at a loss or at a disadvantage to achieve it. And how cool right. would it be for them to just maintain their their core concepts uh, of colony and hive mind? Um, despite their freedom and, and like what other creatures could they really put to use and how do they do it? I, I love, I love the idea of exploring that. It's, you know, and Nothic is a, such an in for that too. So cool. See, I'd probably go like a three-step campaign and kind of take it in a similar version of the hag coven. Like, you know, take that Alhoon three th- parts, one failed and they become like an Alhoon Nothic uh, which is, you know, like a CR5 or CR6. Mm-hmm. That's your quarter or third of the way campaign boss. And then you fight a proper Alhoon who's legitimately become an Alhoon as, you know, your halfway boss. And then you fight your Olitholich, the one that has ascended as the, the end of the adventure kind of right. creature. Yeah. Yeah, who knows, man? Uh, uh, yeah. One thing's for sure is the, uh, by the end of this... Um, sort of uh, accidental series, if you will, of elithids. Like, <laughs> First of know, two this year. <laughs> the, uh, uh, the possibilities are, are truly endless. Like, uh, as, as, much as, criti- as much criticism as we can give to stat blocks or sort of thing, uh, these creatures have been around in one degree or another since the beginning, and Wizards has given them quite a bit of love. Uh, yeah, the treatment's and, there for sure. Yeah, and it is... Uh, they're tr- it's a truly remarkable set of uh, of concepts and ideas that, uh, that, that do match up more than they don't, and it's awesome. It's very inspiring. Yeah. So, I mean, tell us what you think, listeners. We got some great, great uh, Oblex lore from uh, our our good friend Jesse over at DMs of Vancouver. They're a local podcast uh, where they interview uh, other dungeon masters and and talk about a specific topic where he went into detail about slithering trackers and whereas Oblex were a warden of this prison they met in the Underdark. And we love, love, love hearing these stories. So we want to know how you would use a Eulithrid, a an Alhoun, or a Neolithid, or a Mind Witness. <laughs> and you can get at us via email at info at encounterthis.ca you can get us up on twitter as we said a couple of times at encounterpod on facebook backslash encounterpod instagram encounter.pod because they hate us there you can check us out at our home on our web on encounterthis.ca if you're listening to this on apple podcast or any other platform that supports ratings and reviewings that would help us out so much and if you love the show for some ungodly reason you can hit us up on <laughs> patreon.com backslash encounter pod five dollars a month will get you access to our private discord that we've mentioned a couple of times it'll get you a five dollar handwritten thank you letter as well as access to our show notes and for ten dollars like at general ham solo on instagram and twitter you can suggest a creature he is the um, impromptu 
sponsor and inspiration for this series <laughs> on mind flares. And just a reminder, we are, uh, we've decided that we're going to have a contest. If you can guess what our next creature is, it's a celestial that uses spell slots. You can get guess what that is and get at us on Twitter by October 7th. I, James, will personally hand mail you a set of game rolled dice. That's not really a selling point, but I mean... Isn't it, though? It's a full set of polyhedral dice from your second, <laughs> third, or fourth favorite podcast. <laughs> so, thank you, as always, so much for listening. We could not do this without you, and you mean the absolute world to us creatures. So, thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing you in our next episode. Bye, friends. And good night. <laughs>